0: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Best Supporting Podcast, a podcast dedicated to celebrating and dissecting the performances of our favorite Best Supporting Actresses. My name is Nick Chanov, and I've been waiting to say this all my life, Sally... I think I'll get the flowers
1: myself. (laughs) And my name is Colin Drucker, and it's just too much. (laughs) I mean, honestly, it really is, in the best way possible, this entire film. This entire film, and that's, again, also (sighs) a line that I think I've been waiting my whole life to say. Yes. And, and Yes. yes, this, you know, we are, it bears repeating in strange times right now, and in heavy times, and anxious times, and... What a bright spot in my life! Rewatching the hours has been yeah, which sounds like such an odd thing to say because right.
0: there's so much. It's heavy. It's like a heavy movie, mm-hmm. but um, it is a masterpiece. And I it sounds hyperbolic to say at this point too. I f- I feel like I've seen this movie before and I've read the book before and I remember loving both, but like, it's like when you are best friends with someone and then you realize you're in love with them. Mm-hmm. It's like, they've been there the whole time and you've always liked them. And then you see like certain parts or like them as a whole. And you're like, wow, I am completely mesmerized by you. Right. And this is what I've been looking for the whole yeah, time. Is the yes. hours. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. I, uh, I've been like I've I've like immersed myself in this movie the past three days. I reread the book. Oh, good. Um, I read. I finished it at one thirty this morning. Wow. Um, happily though, happily I, I couldn't sleep, so I was like, mm. well, I think it's time. Mm-hmm. It's time for the hours, mm-hmm. and uh, I finished the last like fifty pages, and I watched the movie once through, and then I watched it again with commentary with Julianne Moore, Nicole Kidman, and. Meryl, and it is a joy, Colin. Oh. And there was another option to watch it with Stephen Daldry and Michael Cunningham with commentary, and I was, it was, it's like a blessing, an abundance of um, blessings on that DVD commentary, so I am i plan on watching it with, because uh, I would love this to hear what Stephen Daldry and Michael Cunningham say. Um, mm-hmm. It is a book, I, I, I could just keep going, so I'm going to stop for a moment and just say, like, what is your your re-entry point to this movie how has it been what was your initial entry point into this movie
1: well you know i i feel like you know it's funny obviously it's it's you know the hours is obviously about like different timelines and people at different times and having yeah. these kind of connections and i feel like i am having that experience with myself in high school and college like when i discovered the hours and um yeah. you know, I, I am not like a huge Las Culturistas fan, but I do appreciate sure. the question of like when when oh, did yeah. you discover culture? And like I've I, I think I was listening to the episode with A.D. Bryant because I love her. Oh, it's so good. Yeah. I listened to that the other day. So yeah. so it got me thinking about that question. And I think my answer is there's it's two sta- it's two or three phases. The first one is the Poseidon adventure when I was ten. I think that yeah. set the scale the the stage for everything. But then I feel like there are kind of like curves in the road or re-ups or changes that kind of modify things. And I really think the hours was one of those things because mm-hmm. I, yeah, I, I must've seen it. Cause it came out when I was in like senior year of high school and maybe junior year. Uh, and I, Oh my god, I was obsessed with it. Back in the day, I used to really like writing reviews on Internet Movie Database at imdb.com. Yeah. Um, and I I can track down all of my old reviews from like some from like over 20 years ago. And I will not be revealing the name. <gasps> oh my god. Maybe yes. I'll maybe every once in a while I'll send you I'll send you yeah. one and we can read them, but I did write one for The Hours and I should have looked it up. So maybe like oh. next episode, well I'll I'll bring some clips of that, but um, what a joy uh, that was i know right and that was kind of like at the time i remember i remember how like important it was for me to get that review right because i just had so much to say about this movie and these actors and i was obsessed with the whole cast and i'd like oh God, it's overwhelming right right and like to the point of like i wanted to know who everybody was down to like nelly you know and um <laughs> who is a famous person uh, British
0: British actress, excuse me. Uh, I'm gonna look up her name because Nicole Kidman gushed about her. Oh, Linda Bassett. Um, in the commentary, yes. Yeah,
1: um, yeah. I uh, I just I even remember in I think I was taking an art class in senior year of high school, and we had you know different assignments, and one of the things that I took on as an assignment or assigned myself was drawing. The cover art of the hours oh. and drawing the three women and I was not good at it and I'm I hope I don't still have it because I bet it's mortifyingly bad oh that's that's something but I yeah. kind of hope I do have it somewhere so um so and then from there I mean I don't remember when I read the book probably years later but then the, the book is one of the few books I have where I have underlined and underlined and underlined so many oh. different lines Gosh! And taking notes and starred things and put little brackets around a paragraph and just was like yes. So a similar like and I had I had the DVD. I may have listened to some of the commentary years ago, but I haven't listened to it since. Um, so yeah, there was a lot of love for the hours and just like lines from this movie that then just were part of my little catalog. Like, um, oh, yeah, it's just too much. Is something that I've just I've thought about that line reading. For 20 mm-hmm. years, you know, mm-hmm. um, it's yeah, I, I I did not realize until rewatching this how much the hours is in my cultural DNA. I think
0: that's kind of a similar experience. I I didn't nearly have like an initial experience like that, but I remember I don't know if I saw it when it came out. I It's like foggy to me, but I remember seeing it. I remember being like really struck by it. And I don't think, I, I think I bought the book at like a used bookstore or something or like a yard sale. Um, I have the book here for reference. It's so beautiful. I love the cover art too. Oh, you have um, the nice one. I have the movie yeah. tie-in version. Ooh, movie covers, oh, boo. boo. When I worked at Barnes & Noble, I would always judge people who bought the movie. I unless know. it was like a good movie poster, which The Hours is a good movie poster, but I, I have to take a brief tangent here. Colin, have you watched the trailer for this movie? It is bonkers. I haven't seen it in a
1: while. I, I should have watched it. It makes
0: seem like it's... You know when they take um, uh, little clips from Mrs. Doubtfire and make it look like a horror movie? Yes. Uh-huh. That's exactly what this trailer is. And it's really sad because I honestly don't know how they would make this movie... Like make a good trailer out of this movie. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's a little challenging. Mm-hmm. So I do understand the... Uh, like I said, that's the challenge of doing that, but it's so weird. Uh, you'll have to watch it when we're done. recording. Oh yeah. It's, okay, It's, it's strange. I, absolutely.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, but the book itself, I, let's just talk about how delicious this book is. Like Michael Cunningham. I think there are like, for every reader out there too, it's like every once in a while, if you're lucky, you pick up a book where you just feel like it was written for you and only you. And the things that he can say and like the, the I mean nuance with a capital N like yeah. all caps yeah. honestly too yeah um there's a quote I want to read here um on the very front it's from Anne Pritchard USA Today but the quote is just exactly how I feel um it says a smashing literary tour de force and an utterly invigorating reading experience if this book does not make you jump up from the sofa looking at life and literature in new ways check to see if you have a pulse which is yeah, exactly yeah. how I feel, because there are moments I was reading it the other day and I just had to put the book down and like stare at the wall for like 30 seconds because he just and he, and he's a gay man. Of course. So it's like, yeah, I it's just that much deeper of a connection for myself
1: and for gay men everywhere. <laughs>
0: it really is like a gay masterpiece. Yeah, I mean, that is a the thing. queer masterpiece, we'll say.
1: The thing about The Hours that's so great is it's just women and gay men coming together. <sighs> you know, I mean, I know there's a couple of straight guys. You know, Jeff Daniels, we see you. But yes. um, in terms of who's, who's made this happen, I, I believe Stephen uh, Daldry, the director, is gay. Mm-hmm. Um, Michael Cunningham's gay. And then, yes. you know, Meryl Streep, it might as well be. I mean, it's... Ugh. And Karen Allison Janney. Tony
0: Collette. I I just can't I even know. this might have to be a three part episode I know i ha- even waking up this morning I was like I hope I do this justice I, I like looked at myself in the mirror <laughs> splash
1: water on my face <laughs> from a little bowl I on lit your like a tiny cigarette <laughs> <laughs> like Virginia Wolf yeah my yeah I love that I'm picturing you waking up as a Virginia Wolf and not as Clarissa Vaughan yeah
0: I know yeah I don't know who I am but uh I I like to think I'm all three in, a, in ways yeah
1: um. Uh, I this morning I, I I'm having fi- similar feelings about this episode because this morning I was sitting there thinking this is a movie in which Meryl Streep and Alice and Janney play longtime lesbian lovers. Where have I been? What like Yeah. how how have I not been talking about it every day? I mean a movie where Julianne Moore and Tony Collette have this great kiss, this great oh, scene. That is a
0: scene. That is a scene. Oh,
1: I mean and we have There's so many in the details episodes. Uh, totally that could be spawned off of because of this. Yes, movie, yeah. I've I've often thought about doing a, an episode about the Lewis Waters and Clarissa scene because I'm uh, just obsessed with it, and yeah. and all the little beats. It's, oh, uh, it is something. Yes, the hours. It's just too much. It's just too much. It's just too much. <laughs>
0: I would say, for anyone who hasn't seen the hours, I don't know which one you should do first, but like I consider the book almost like a companion piece to the movie. It is like it's just as good mm-hmm. it's they're both like um yes, different in a way, but like really, there are only some subtle differences. The only thing that I can name right off the bat. Is that in the Merrill scene, the Merrill and Jeff Daniels scene? It's actually Jeff Daniels who breaks down in the book. That's right. Merrill kind of keeps it together. She's like comforting him. And then. Um, the train scene, I mean, Virginia Woolf at the train station is like an in the details. Oh, yeah. Waiting to happen too. Mm-hmm. Um, That scene is not nearly as fleshed out. David Hare, who wrote the screenplay, did a magnificent job with that scene because that that scene is like Shakespeare. That yeah. it, like there are so many parts of this movie that you're just watching and the words that they get to say. I'm like and, and all three actresses say it. They're like the words that we get to say in this movie. The script that we were given is just like. Uh, it's like the finest chocolate that you've ever tasted and it just it's it never stops yeah and this is like a almost a two-hour movie and it feels it moves mm. you are never bored like I there's never one moment where it's sort of and the same with the book too I it's divided and you know the women it just starts with Virginia Wolf, and I think it goes to Mrs. Dalloway and then Mrs. Brown and then it's just every other chapter is um, that woman <sighs> Yeah. God I just love it so much.
1: It, I love this movie and the book. Uh I agree. I you know, I saw the movie first and then read the book and I mean, I'll never know what the opposite experience is, but it one did not take away from the other. If anything, I maybe seeing the movie first because the, the book is like it's just a a movie will always be some condensing of a book just by the mere nature of the fact that it's a 2-hour movie versus a, you know, 100 few 100 yeah. page book. But yes. um I think because they both – they're both doing it in a different way. Like the movie doesn't feel like it's trying to copy the way the book is telling the story because the book is so – it's so much in the language and it's so much in the description and so much in the voice. And the movie, I feel like it's like, okay, we're going to do our own version of that and not try Mm -hmm. to like replicate something where you feel like, oh, they're just trying to turn a book into a movie, you know? Um like I think a great example is we've talked about this before but that play God of Carnage and how they oh, turned it into yeah. carnage. The whole Oof. time you feel the cramming a play into a movie. It's
0: like copy paste. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's not there's no finesse or nuance there to. Even Meryl Streep um in her commentary she was like cuz all three of the actresses were like they all filmed separately so mm-hmm. they never I mean besides Meryl and Julianne for that last scene but, like, just the idea of that, like, not knowing what the other actress is doing, but knowing that they're a part of the project, and then seeing the film. There's there's an interview on YouTube. I've watched so many oh, interviews. It's great. As much as I could. Um, and how just, like, pleased they were. They all seem like... I think this is, like, a movie for all of them that they will always remember. And that makes me feel good. Yeah. Even though I'm, like, not involved in that at all. I feel like I am. And I'm glad that they are able to celebrate each other and like all of their scene partners, they always just gush about everyone, um, who's in it with them too. But she said, Meryl was like, it's a beautiful film. She's like, but no one's going to see it. And Stephen Daldry was like, I think quite the opposite. I think it's going to be a smash. And it was, it's like, and the fact that people just responded to it the way that people did, it was nominated for a slew of Academy awards. It only unfortunately won one for Nicole. Um, Kind of getting ahead of myself a little bit, too, but um, I don't know where to go to next, Colin. Well, lead me.
1: yeah, I mean, <laughs> I think that I mean, I th- obviously if you're listening to this, you know what the hour yes. is about. It's it's telling the day in the life of uh, Virginia Woolf starting to write Mrs. Dalloway and a woman in the 1950s named Laura Brown who's reading Mrs. Dalloway and a woman in the early 2000s who essentially is Mrs. Dalloway. And obviously, all of those stories intertwine in different ways. And, you know, and then we find out there's some real life connection towards the end in a twist that no matter how many times I watch this, I still, it gets me every time when you realize that Richie is Richard. Yes. It just, I mean... It's so obvious, too, but I it's not.
0: I know. The piercing blue eyes. That little boy is so cute. Oh, that little uh, boy, is, he's just
1: heartbreaking. Little cherub. Yeah. Uh, when
0: he... One of my favorite little nuances of him is when he like smiles when he's in the car after she comes back and picks him up and he looks out the window and just smiles. Uh. But from all the like behind the scenes and like commentary I watch, I I'm getting the I mean working with kids is hard. Even Julianne Moore was like, you know, working with a child all day, you just kind of it's like by the time she got to the scene with Tony Collette, she was so thankful just to talk with another adult. Yeah, or, yeah, because she spent so much of the film with him. That's you know? true. It's, Oh. And he's like a kid.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but we'll I had get heard to that because yeah, I was gonna say I'd heard like for example it, in the scene towards the end when Dan is talking about meeting Laura that he really had to tell some sort of you know elaborate story to keep the kid's attention and get that reaction. Yeah, he told him like Goldilocks. No, he told him Jack and the Beanstalk. That's mm-hmm. what he said. Yeah, um, I, yeah, yeah. But it's uh, I mean I think the framework of I mean because we could and we will just queen out on this, but I think. Because we're Best Supporting Podcast, we're here yes. to celebrate the performances. And this movie mm. is just, you know, from from top to tail, is just good performances across the board with a stacked cast of actors. And um, and because there's so many people, I really think maybe with the exception of Virginia Wolf and Nicole Kidman, everyone else is in a supporting role. You know, I mean, yeah. it's a little bit like The Favourite, where you yeah, could say that, definitely. like, you know... Maybe the the Virginia Woolf role would be akin to um, the the Queen Anne role. I mean, not yes. in terms of size, but in terms of like what, who the real focal point of the movie is. Um, but in some, in, in just as many ways, when you're watching the Laura Brown story or the Clarissa, Clarissa Vaughn story, it fully feels like it's about them too. So mm-hmm. um, I wonder. I mean, I think as you said, Nicole Kidman was the only one who, to win for The Hours. Julianne mm-hmm. Moore had been nominated, and we'd actually talked about this in the Chicago episode. It was, yeah, it was an interesting year. Yeah, yeah, that all of them had been kind of nominated or won for different things. Um, but uh, maybe because Nicole did win, I wonder, unless I'm totally chopping out your favorite performance, if no. this is really identifying, beyond Virginia Woolf, the BSAs of The Hours. Yeah. Um what are you asking me a question with? Well, if I'm, that's I'm confused, like if sorry. you're <laughs> if you're down to kind of look at it that way of like because I oh, yeah, I kind of yeah. like I want to talk about everyone, but I would love at the end of this to be able to land on who is our favorite. Oh yes, I can That's keep kind that in of, mind. Yeah. yeah, I don't want to answer right now, but no. I think I yeah
0: yes yes I
1: love that. Uh, I, just to oof. give us a direction of like okay, but if we had to narrow it down, if this is an award show, if we do get played off at the end of this episode for some reason, then who did we nominate ultimately as the BSA of the hours? Yeah. Okay, I love that. Okay, I love that a lot. Yes, um, and you know, men or women, because there are some very strong men per, oh. male performances in this movie.
0: Yes. I mean, uh, this is the year... I mean, just to kind of kick off this award conversation, too, the the stats here. So Julianne Moore was nominated for Best Supporting Actress. Nicole was nominated for Leading. She won. Meryl Streep, famously, not nominated for this movie, which is a huge point of contention. At this point, I am angry. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> and I know she was she was nominated for Adaptation, so she did get a nomination that year, but... And we talked about it all in our Chicago episode, too. But I I mean, I wonder if she would have won if she was nominated. We were saying like they kept her out of that category for this movie because of that, because it is out of all the performances that Meryl has done. Although like I, sh- I wouldn't say strange because some of them are stronger than others for as far as her Oscar nominations to all like 17 or 18 of them. Mm-hmm. But this was one. That should have been nominated, and it's
1: it's really strange that it wasn't.
0: Yeah, um, I mean, and yeah. you know,
1: and some of it could be, you know, because Meryl gets nominated so often, where it's like, well, you know, is it is it up to par? Are we really going to give give it to Meryl? Whereas if it was another actor doing this, it would be so obvious of like, oh my god, this is such great work. I mean, you know, we'll get into it, but this. I have so many feelings about Clarissa and about Meryl's performance that I don't think I've ever fully appreciated how like nuanced and good this performance is. And even after, cause
0: I watched them, I rewatched the movie first and then I was like sort of reading the book along with it too. And like the, a lot of the book is just like this internal monologue as well with, with what they're feeling and thinking and the descriptions that he uses are just beautiful. But Mm -hmm. She's nailing everything. Mm-hmm. Like when you think about certain scenes of when she enters the the apartment when like Richard finally does like you know end his life like the the uh, gosh and also just that beginning scene where she comes over and brings him the flowers like what's written in the book and what she is doing and how she is able to do it just it just adds to it mm-hmm. it's
1: it's crazy well those scenes those it's great examples because yeah the book is so much of clarissa's internal monologue mm-hmm. and those scenes there is so much internal dialogue or internal life happening in, with clarissa there's so much about what she's not saying or what she's experiencing um you know in the moment that is that's only being expressed by meryl you know making a small gesture or bulging our eyes a certain Mm. way or saying yes seven different ways and all of the meaning so many different things (laughs) Mm
0: -hmm. yes yes even in I mean this opening sequence is what dreams are made of like I could watch that every morning for the I love mundane morning shit mm-hmm. i don't know what it is mm-hmm. but like just the idea of watching people wake up and seeing their routine and 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 meryl uh she said she's like i just despise movies where people just get up and they're ready for the day she's like it was really important for me to kind of be a little wobbly and a little groggy and kind of you know uh stumbling around the that apartment kind oh, that beautiful it's, it's, it's like a
1: brownstone it is my dream, yeah, <laughs> I know. With that big <laughs> kitchen, with oh, it was uh, you know, it's crazy it that great. the party was being
0: thrown there. I thought there was like another venue. I forgot that mm-hmm. it took place in the apartment. I always it's, thought about that,
1: like sixty people in that apartment. Oh my god! But yeah, they can accommodate they it though. Can. Um, yeah. So as you were saying, there there are nominations across the board for these ladies. Yeah. But indeed, um, let's start with Meryl. Let's talk about the the yes. biggest non nomination. Yeah, um, obviously we've already started, ready. but Clarissa Vaughn. Let I mean, mm. I'm curious. Just you, tell me what your your feelings on Clarissa and on Meryl's. You know, continue to tell me your feelings on Meryl's interpretation. I mean,
0: it's just too much. I, there's there's there are mm-hmm. s- there are so many things to talk about here. Like I've never. I wish I was in school just so I could like write a paper on mm-hmm. this. Like I almost just want to do it. Anyway. Oh yeah. <laughs> because I have so many things to say and I'm so glad that this is like a vessel for that as well because I would have just burst because Keon watched it a long time ago and I I desperately want to rewatch it with him just for the sake of having someone to talk um, to about yeah. it. But anyways, um, I think she is such a beautifully flawed, interesting character um that and a lot of it bubbles beneath the surface too it's like the the entire i mean mrs dalloway is just sort of you know a fabulous woman who throws parties but is secretly sad and like a lot of that is unveiled by ed harris like the like the sort of like daggers that he puts in her just like these like Oh, Mrs. Dalloway, always throwing parties to avoid the silence. Mm-hmm. Or when I die, you're going to have to deal with yourself. Or, or Sally, I think he says too. It's like all things that she knows that are very true. It's like she is a caretaker, but she's also like in love with Richard. And I don't think she ever was not in love with Richard. Or, mm. you know, it's a different kind of love that kind of... Because she's been with Sally for 10, ten years. years yeah. yeah. Um And it's, he is, um, I think there's some stuff that I wrote down in the book here. Um, it's like Meryl in the commentary, she's like, she went about Ed Harris. It's like, she, she won't let him leave. She is keeping him alive Mm -hmm. almost for her. And, And another thing that he says, um, like, uh, I'm staying alive for you. Um, it's just, uh such a complicated relationship there too because like it's it's like this obligation to her but it's also she's she's not dealing with any of her shit it's like when people just keep busy to avoid everything in their life they're always on the go always on the go and when they when when they have to sit with themselves and reconcile with whatever it is um, it begins to come it begins to get very messy but at the same time She is the only woman of the three to sort of be able to weather the storm and come out on the other side and continue on. Which Mm -hmm. is so important to the end of the book, too, because, you know, Virginia Woolf killed herself. Um, Laura Brown left her kids, but Meryl stayed. Yeah. Um, and just sort of, and there's there's so much more to even talk about. But that that's kind of like my opening statement for Clarissa Vaughn. How about you? Yeah. I'm so curious. I,
1: I I I. It's it's kind of I love that idea that Clarissa is the one at the end who rises in terms of like surviving this and and figuring yes, out how survival. to get through it. Yes. And and seems the most unlikely. Seems. Um. I mean, in that like. Unlikely, in that it seems like she's the most disconnected from reality. I think what we see with Laura Brown is someone who's like contending with reality, and what we see with Virginia Woolf is someone who's like fighting with reality. Mm. But with Clarissa is someone who is just pirouetting away from it. And yeah, um, I I am obsessed with. And it's like sort of a great. It's a great set piece for Merrill, and it's a great set piece for this like character development of, of Clarissa. But I'm obsessed with the flower shop scene i just everything about it i love eileen atkins uh, you know working the flower shop i love the gay assistant rodney yes rodney rodney (laughs) she points to it and it's just like i the way that that scene is done the way that we get to see sort of clarissa just fawning over the flowers the way she says let's just have buckets of roses like she's so in her prime you know, or in her element in this flower shop, Mrs. Dalloway getting the flowers. And yes. and then the way the, sh- the the scene works with um I can't remember the character's name, but Eileen Atkins' character and mm-hmm. Clarissa kind of walking in two different rows talking about the book. And yes. the way that like the tracking shot follows each of them. Mm-hmm. It's so and like They're like sparring with each other because yeah. she says she doesn't like the book. Yeah. And I love one of my favorite acting choices in this is when um, she says, "You know, it took ten years to write it. Maybe it just takes another ten years to read it." And then Clarissa kind of hears it, and then kind of looks away, and and just it's this great like mm, disengage. And yeah. we see her do that throughout the rest of the movie. We see her do it with uh, with Richard. Um, we see when he when she kind of like see like kind of takes him in for a minute, and then says okay, so the party is going to be at five or whatever. And like, she just stays on agenda. And when he says that, I think I'm staying alive for you, she takes it in and then forces herself to say, well, that's what people do, you know, and they stay alive for each other. Yeah. The way she pivots in these moments, it's, um, I mean, and that it's all so subtle. It's like, you know, Meryl takes the time for the character's inner life and inner decision making to like happen, and it's yeah. uh it's so much more work than she's being cre- given credit for, and that she doesn't have an Oscar nomination for it. <laughs> yeah, it's it's puzzling to me. Even when she walks in that flower
0: shop and just says flowers, mm-hmm. uh, it's just it's like um she is. Safe. It's like this sanctuary for her. She's like she, just getting there and walking through the world for a moment is just too much. Yeah, too much. It's and then she gets there and it all just it's like she deflates a little bit, but in the best way possible. Mm-hmm. Um, also inflates
1: at the same time. Yeah, yeah. It's it's so nice to kind of see Clarissa come to life because throughout you know the rest of it, you know, there's just moments of watching her, not like sort of the life running out of her, but her just kind of like. I I just I love her just staring out the window, going like, "Why is everything wrong?" Like just that feeling of like, "What's going on here?" Like why is everything off off the off the track? And yeah, how she plays that so subtly is so good. Yeah, there also is um, a brief cameo of Michael
0: Cunningham walking down the street as mm-hmm. Meryl walks into the flower shop, which I love. Too. I always
1: love that. I just
0: I yeah. I
1: just I love. Watching Clarissa go about her day and see her gay friend, Michael Cunningham. And, you know, I I love it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Who wrote the book, everyone, yeah. just in case. I didn't mention the author at all. I think when I was talking about the book, maybe. I think you, yeah, maybe I did. I can't remember. But I think out of the three of them, I enjoy watching Clarissa the most. Like you said, um, in her morning routine, there's something really magnetic. The way she kind of stares at herself in the mirror for a moment. Mm Mm-hmm. It's the those mirrors are very important, and I oh gosh the way that Michael Cunningham and like consequently like David Hare and Stephen Daldry too the way that this is edited in in the beginning too and like how like there are moments when Virginia Woolf overlaps with you know Clarissa and then Laura. Over and then like John C. Riley, oh, I think it's um, Meryl picks up like a vase, a vase of mm-hmm. flowers. I'm sure Clarissa says vase mm-hmm. of flowers, and then John C. Riley also pick like picks it up. in the next moment, there's like a smash cut. It is like, uh, I love that like, one. That edit of the flowers. music. Yes, mm-hmm. I mean. And speaking of music, oh, Colin, how could we? I can't go- believe we have oh, gone no. this long oh. because it is. It's essential. It is crucial to this movie. And it's mm-hmm. one of my favorite scores of all time.
1: Same. Oh. Uh, it... Philip Glass. Ugh. Ugh. I... Brother of George. Just kidding. <laughs> <God>. <laughs> sure, Jan. Um, sure. <laughs> uh, like, the score is practically the fourth woman in the movie. It's... Honestly, yes. It is yes. just as important. It, uh, oh, and, and the score is such a part of it. It's so present. It's not in the background. It... No. is uh it that just makes me think of like Layla McQueen in season eight of Drag Race like I'm not gonna be <laughs> in the background I'm gonna come up front and like yeah. be seen and <laughs> exactly I'm sorry I've just rewatched that season recently but I Love it. I am obsessed with this score I I it's so beautiful it it's probably yeah top three favorite film mm-hmm. scores and the way, just the way that it exists in this movie and the way that it heightens things. It's, it is the definition of gay whistle tones at moments. The way that the oh, score yes. is elevating a, a lesbian's day in New York, you know, in the early 2000s. So I was like, well, this is everything. <sighs> yes, and within that are little themes for each woman. Like I
0: was listening to Philip Glass on the commentary talk about it too. And he's, <clears throat> it's crazy. I can't imagine writing a movie score mm. at all. Oh, at all. So it's just like nuts how someone just dreams this up and puts it on paper. And um, because a lot of it is just like that, mm-hmm. da 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 which it in, on paper is very simple. And I was telling Keon the other I was I was just talking to him even though he probably wasn't listening at that point. I was just like go I was like, Oh, the score, Keon. Where do you see it? And he was like working. He's like on a conference call.
1: I'm, just I'm picturing away
0: like Leslie Nope. Oh, but the score. Oh, the dancing. I'm laying on the bed like um Alice and Janny after she picks up the dry cleaning. One of my favorite nuances of the movie. I laugh every time. I love
1: that. It's uh, such
0: a great choice. Mm-hmm. But um I, I feel like it's, like, I'm making a barefoot contessa um, reference here. I'm sure you don't mind. Please, it's please. It's, like, her, her MO is, like, use the best ingredients. You Like, make simple recipes, but use the best ingredients that you have. And with, like, with Philip Glass, it's, like, yes, on paper or even, like, to the ear, it is, like, simple sort of structure. But within that and, like, the harmonic, like, the chord structure of everything and, like, the way that he kind of, it, like, oozes into different sort of textures of uh really just like nuance really. like I can't think of any other word um but like musical nuance and how it bleeds into different scenes is just it's so good it's so good yeah it, i can listen to it all day and it puts same. you in a mood it puts you
1: in that world immediately oh yes i have been <clears throat> listening to that soundtrack uh, th- yeah. repeatedly and just i philip i mean and when i was in high school and in college like i I definitely, because of the hours, became very excited by Philip Glass. And I remember like finding Philip Glass CDs in the library and kind of adding, he was like part of the catalog because it was, it was dramatic and repetitive and over the top. And, um, and just, it was again, it was just like gay whistle tones. It was just, this is, this is what I want movies to make me feel. This is what I want music to make me feel, you know? Yes.
0: Um, and, Lest we forget uh, that he also did the soundtrack for Notes on a Scandal. The soundtrack, the score, rather. Yes. Um Which is also crucial to that movie, too. There's so many moving parts of that movie that um, that are elevated by that score. Mm-hmm. Um, we got away from Meryl, but that's okay. That's um, okay. All roads lead back. I know. <laughs> All roads lead back. Yeah. Um, do you want to talk about specific... Because there are... I mean, each of these scenes are almost like a one-act play. Like, yeah. It really is set up like theater, too, which I appreciate so much. And I remember in the commentary, it's so interesting to like see their processes, too. But Julia, uh, So Stephen Daldry, he comes from the theater. He really wanted to rehearse and rehearse and rehearse. That's the way that he sort of... That's his entry point. And Nicole Kidman like definitely was like, yes, I love this. Let's do it. Julianne Moore did not want to rehearse. She oh. wanted to. Wow. And I think Meryl was somewhere in the middle because she was talking about, she's like, I feel the other actresses rehearsed a lot, but you know, and then she like kind of giggles. She was like, I didn't though. And I'm like, of course you didn't. Of course you didn't, Um Meryl. So I feel that she and Julianne Moore were kind of on the same page, um, but it's just interesting to know. And I, I love also that they were, Nicole Kidman said that they rehearsed strictly in that house, which is so, that's like such a gift to be like on set and mm. just rehearse in the house and kind of feel the space. I feel that that's super helpful. Um,
1: yeah, yeah, to like just become her. Uh, yeah, you know, yeah. But it's more to than To make the it knows. feel like your home. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, well, I was thinking we could do is because we're, you know, it's sort of like if we try to talk about Merrill, well, then we need to talk about Ed Harris. We need to talk about Allison and Janney. And, you know, yeah. I'm not complaining. So maybe what we do is we'll talk about Merrill, and that will kind of lead us to talking about the BSAs of the Merrill era, the, the Clarissa era of the yeah. movie. And then we'll kind of move on to Laura and, and Virginia. And at yes. that point, able will kind of cover everyone, you know, based on each of, you're right, these kind of one-act plays in each of these scenes. Yeah, and even in the movie credits, the way that they sort of
0: list, wasn't, yeah, I think it was, like, it's every um, scene, besides like the three ladies um they have like the cast almost of each era mm-hmm. so with Merrill, it's like ed harris allison janney eileen atkins and it's like almost like a play
1: cast mm-hmm. um but anyway yeah so we'll you know we'll, we'll cheat and follow that a little bit yes um, yes yes i love that so let's actually i would love i would love to it's like, who do I talk about first? Ed Harris or Allison Janney? I know. Let's talk about Alice and Janney because what I love about the Clarissa Vaughn segment is it starts with Sally. Um, yeah. And I love when a when a supporting character gets you know gets some time to own the the movie or the scene themselves because what do you make of that opening scene of Sally kind of coming home oh. early?
0: I was just going to ask you the same question. I, where is she coming from? What was she up to? Besides, because I think in the book she said that or she said um, the the she's like a, a producer or something of some sort. She works in TV, um, but it's like nothing sort of like glamorous. It's like, I don't know, like news or something. Mm-hmm. I can't remember. But so maybe she was coming off of it's so strange to her to me as well, when she says like, I got someone to cover for me at work, it sounds like she's like a cocktail waitress right, or something, right. which she certainly is not because they wouldn't be able to afford that apartment. But, um, right. um, I wonder where she, and like the way that she kind of sneaks in, I'm so intrigued by that. That mm-hmm. would be the first, if I ever met Alice and Jenny, that'd be the <laughs> first question right. I'd ask. I was like, where was Sally coming yeah. from? I need to know. Where were you coming from?
1: Um, yeah. You know, I've always assumed because I, I, Because of the way that she kind of climbs back into bed, is that she is trying to kind of sneak home, um, and that she was out, you know, because the way that the way that she's dressed, you know, the way that she's coming off the subway. Oh, that coat, yeah, the
0: sunglasses, the hair. Yeah, so
1: she's a vision. She's coming from somewhere else, and like you know, like to me, it it reads that she may have been out with somebody else and is now sneaking home, and she and Clarissa are at a point of there's things they don't talk about. Interesting.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I would, it's such an, a unique sort of conversation. You could go further into that as well. Mm-hmm. And like just their relationship too. It's like, is Clarissa a lesbian? It's like, does she, I mean, I think she wants, she, she found something within Sally that she attached herself to, but like she still is in love with Richard. It's. I mean, that's like a whole other can of worms too. Mm-hmm. Because in the book, there are all these things that she talks about as well that are just. It doesn't. She just seems unhappy. I mean, that's like a that's a, such a blanket word for how uh, Clarissa moves throughout the movie too. But I. I don't know. I yeah. don't know the
1: answer to that. Yeah. And I like not knowing. I like that yeah, there's like... Yeah, a, There's like storylines where like, well, we're not going to like spoon feed this to you. This is like you're entering this world and these people's lives in the midst yeah. of things. And so I'm okay with knowing that, okay, clearly things are... There's a disconnect in this relationship. Yeah, But it's like fully functional at the same time. And um, I think... I mean, yeah, I love that scene when Sally comes home with everything and she lays on the bed and, and she has a line that only Alice and Janney can do perfectly I'm like, why do people have to talk about dry cleaning? Like <laughs> Yeah, it's so good. It's so good. But then when she sees Clarissa sitting in the other room, you kind of almost expect her to say, is everything okay? But it's like she's past that. I, and this is so much just in Alice and Janney's like choices and beats and and I'm sure, you know, direction mm-hmm. of she kind of watches her and instead of like what's wrong, she knows she assumes what's wrong is that Clarissa is worried about the party, is worried about Richard not coming. And there isn't that, like, deeper moment of, like, what's going on with you? And yes, that says a lot that Sally isn't have, trying to have that conversation with her right now. Oh, uh, I love that, too. Because, oh, one of the things
0: on the, the the commentary, too, is that this scene was initially, both of them were in the kitchen. But Stephen Daldry's like, no, I want to separate them. I, wanna, I want... To see that sort of like shouting from the other room moment and being able to tell. She's like, because I think she says at some point, uh, Allison Janney says, uh, So you, I see you've talked to Richard or you visited with Richard, I guess, mm-hmm. because she can just tell in her. And the way that Meryl just sits there, I think in the book, uh, it's like she's sitting in the room like she's waiting at a doctor's office, mm. which is exactly how she looks, which I'm just like, Yes. Yes. Michael Cunningham. Yes. Yes. Uh, uh. It's so good. And, and eventually, yeah, she comes in and um, oh she says, like, it's going to be beautiful mm-hmm. because that's she
1: knows that that is what she needs more so than what's wrong. Right. Right. And I and I also like that there's still and it's just, you know, it, when she says, all right, well, I'm off Try not to pass yeah. out with excitement like it's but it's not angry it's like there's some humor like there's so much especially like in in watching the performance of a couple that has been together for so long and is older and kind of set you know in in their ways to already to a point and then they're not like 20 year olds you know um yeah. but i i like the nuances of it's never just it's so much more complex than i'm mad at you or we're fine or is something wrong or there's things i'm not telling you like there's something about the way they interact that just keeps inferring that there's all this complexity in their relationship right now. And that it's – even when Clarissa talks about it with Lewis later, it's like she doesn't know how to talk about their relationship. She never seems to know how to, like, place her relationship with, with Sally in, is it good? Is it going well? Are we okay? It seems like she would not be able to answer those questions. Yeah it's just really great writing and
0: great acting too it's like it's like show don't tell and it's like talk about something else but really you're talking about like so you're talking about something else without talking about it if that makes sense mm-hmm. too everything that you just said it's those are the best scenes to watch yeah. um, because there's so much under this. it's like a like a river it's like you see the water on top but like underneath the current is like really strong yeah. and uh, that's where like all the drama is but uh Oh, Alice Alison Janney, she's she's a dream. Mm-hmm. Um,
1: oh, I I love really her is. in this. I think that it's a small role, but she she has like great moments where like, you know, towards the end when Laura Brown shows up, or there's different moments where it's just her reaction shot. You know, we just get and that the scene is just textured with textured with seeing Sally's reaction to that or seeing mm-hmm. her watching Clarissa. And that I love. I just I I love seeing a character's experience through another character's eyes. Yeah. It's really unique. Yeah. Excuse me. Uh, I'm trying to think of anything. There
0: is, um, an Alice and Janney scene in the book that got cut. It's like, she goes out to lunch with some movie star, Mm -hmm. but it's, I, I see why they cut it it's not necessarily crucial to anything. It's almost like a little mini chapter just for Sally. But yeah, I remember um, that in the book feeling
1: like, oh, we have yeah. like
0: time alone with Sally. Yeah.
1: Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But that it's it, great. It didn't really connect with the rest of the plot as much. Yeah. yeah. I, I I see why they did it, but mm-hmm. yeah, Allison. So um, let's talk about Ed Harris. <sighs> Tell me your thoughts on best supporting actor nominee. Rightly. So Ed Harris. Yeah. Uh, this is the year the Chris Cooper
0: one for adaptation. Mm-hmm. I would love to rewatch Adaptation. I think I've only seen it once and I don't think I had the I'm just gonna say the intelligence really. I didn't get it. I think I watched it when I was very young and I was like, Oh, there's a lot more here that I probably am not getting and I just I didn't dismiss it, but I was just like, All right, that happened but I, and I don't know his relationship with, like, Hollywood either. He seems like a stand-up guy. I feel like it was one of those, like, he delivered a good performance and it just kind of happened. Mm-hmm. Um, but, man, it would have been great to see Ed Harris win an Academy Award for this. I think that there's so much that he's doing. Like, just the physical transformation alone, too. His skin and bone and the costuming. I mean, that's another thing in this movie, too, is mm-hmm. everyone was, all the three women on the commentary are just really... Uh, Ann Roth, uh, mm-hmm. did the costumes and how much they love her and respect her and how much it's like a conversation of like, what do you want? What do you think about like Clarissa? Should she wear a necklace or what is it? You know, all that stuff. But I love Ed Harris's bathrobe. Oh. Um, the fact that he, in that apartment, you could just like smell the apartment. Mm-hmm. Um, but back to Ed Harris himself, I just think that they're so, <sighs> There's so much to unpack, and especially once we know that he is Little Richie, too. Little Richie. (laughs) Little Richard. Um, That it just adds. And you don't find that out until, like, I don't know. I'd say a good halfway point, maybe like two-thirds of the way through the film.
1: It's definitely, like, once we find out, I I think there's only about 20 minutes at most of the movie left. Yeah. But the crazy, the crazy, um, pun intended, I
0: think that there's something, he's very almost self-aware of himself too he's like they're giving me this award because i got aids and i went crazy that's the reason why they're giving this to me it's like and he he has this argument with clarissa that's like uh, you you don't think they'd give it to me if i was healthy or or they wouldn't give it to me if i was healthy and she's like yes they would but there is that sort of i don't know almost hesitation when she says that too which is great because that's a meryl thing too but um but then he's also like he's like lucid and not lucid all at the same time. There's so many things that are happening to him. And I feel that he is the closest to kind of mirroring what Virginia Wolf went through, mm-hmm. I think at the same time. And I, and he is the only one besides Virginia who does kill herself, kill himself in this point. Um, but I think that there's a lot of really great nuance that he has. And like, I think that I just love all the scenes with him and Meryl. There's something so, familiar between the two of them and Meryl says something in the commentary she's like he has those piercing blue eyes that all you all he has to do is just look at you and you're set
1: <laughs> oh, <thank laughs> but you. it kind of yeah, is yeah, yes like, but I hear like, you I hear go. that yeah yeah um the scenes in his apartment that I mean there could have been a whole one-act play of that and it would be very hard to watch and it would be yeah very intense but it's fascinating I mean the the the, the conversation they have and the way that it moves and the beats that it hits. I mean, it's just these, they're fascinating scenes. His apartment is, I had never really appreciated it until watching this time. Like I really got the details of his apartment and like, I feel like where he lives at the time is like, it's, it's like the meatpacking district when it was still just meatpacking and, you know, and it wasn't, you know, where people go to hang out. Um, and see celebrities yeah. and be seen and all that. Um, and, you know, buy Diane von Furstenberg dresses. But... Yeah, yeah. So he's like... Like, just thinking about... Here he is in some, you know, sixth floor, seventh floor, God knows, of some old building that, uh, you know, it's just like the the brick walls and the exposed pipes. Like, it's an apartment that now they they put a little shine on and charge you $5,000 a month oh, for. Oh, I'm sure. You yes. know? But the the details of just the pill bottles everywhere and the, and the dishes everywhere. And just the, I, I it was so perfect. It was such like perfect set dressing. And he's it, it's such a, like watching it again, even closer. And I have the same feeling about uh, Jeff Daniels, but the, the performance, a straight man playing a gay man, you know, I feel yeah. like there could be the argument of, Oh, I'd rather see like a gay actor play this, but yeah, it's so impeccable. Like, I know mm-hmm. who this guy is. And yeah. um, I think that really stuck out to me. And I think it's because we get those lucid moments of Richard when when he says, when Clarissa says, no, it's, they're, they're not just giving you this award because you're sick and went crazy. And the way he says, well, it's very nice of you to say. But I mean, like that's ooh it that
0: actually comes a little bit later when he says when she says you still have good days ahead of you he's oh. like that's very kind of you to say but we we both know that or maybe he says it twice but i remember That line specifically, because it the way that he delivered that. Mm -hmm. And maybe it is kind of you to say, but yeah, yeah, I don't really have a lot of
1: good ones uh, left. That line reading just sticks with me because it's like the the person who says that, who's like, "All right, well, that's really nice of you to say," but like, I know who that person is, you know. And when we discover that he's Richie, and that scene of him, like looking at his mother's wedding picture and crying, Mm. especially with like the fire trucks in the background and all like the sirens. Such a great choice. And the music. I mean, that moment is designed to make me cry every time because it's, it's just heartbreaking. He's just a little boy. Yeah. And it just gives so much like realizing that he's Richie and then thinking about Ed Harris's performance throughout this movie. It's just so devastating of like, Wow, who that kid became? Who he turned into? Um, it's. I mean, I I can't speak to whether Chris. You know, I'm sure Chris Cooper is great in adaptation, but this was. Uh, I would not have been sad to see this win an Oscar. It's just such a quintessential best actor, best supporting actor performance. It
0: is. Oh, it so is. And like I, I, and a lot of times
1: in the book too, it mentions
0: that it. It'll, but like I can imagine who Richard was. Like I know who Richard was when he was younger, when mm-hmm. he was healthy. He was probably the guy, just like so. Um not pseudo intellectual, but like an actual intellectual that probably drove people crazy. And he was probably very opinionated and like probably very handsome Mm -hmm. Um, and got around and just like was this guy who this artist slash poet. I could picture him. I could picture the circles he'd hang out with or the parties he'd go to and how he would drive everyone crazy. And Clarissa was probably one of the few people that could like, I guess, see through it. Or just be around it, I guess, mm. all at the same time. Because no one else has taken care of him except Clarissa. Yeah.
1: And, you know, I it's interesting. I haven't thought about that. But I, I wonder what people think of Clarissa. Like, Ooh. is she... Like, is there a way in which people kind of... People have drifted away from Richard because they've, they're afraid of his condition. And he's driven them crazy and all sorts of different things. But... I get the impression people have drifted fl- from Clarissa as well, and that while she throws all these parties, sometimes there's a bit of strong arming to get people to come,
0: yeah, in a way and in, in the book she invites like three people on the street that she kind of meets that are <laughs> they're like all richard's ex'es, and she like invites them anyway because mm-hmm. I guess partially she doesn't know what to do but um there's the uh, this is like such a small nuance and not even a nuance, but like there's at one point Richard. Um, oh, actually, two things. Number one, Richard goes to the fr- refrigerator and pulls out this, like, brown sludge yes! of a drink. What
1: is it? Same question. I kept thinking, Ugh, oh, no. so gross. And then she, like, pours it in a cup. I'm like, no, it's something old. Dump it. Whatever that is. Yeah. It's so oh. gross. Yes, that has stuck with me. Yes.
0: And after he pulls it out, this is a nuance to go back and watch because I remember I like screamed when Meryl did it like there, he gets the sludge out of the refrigerator or at some point she is filling up the vase and, um, or by the sink and he brushes up against her back and just like it connects with her for a moment. And she, Leans her head up like this, almost like an ecstasy. Oh, she like wow. Up and she's like, mm-hmm. and I don't know if it's just like a sigh or like of exasperation about what he's saying, but there's something more to it. And mm-hmm. it is
1: so good. Uh, uh, I'm sure it is an informed moment because yes, everything about them. Everything is. Everything is. And it's Meryl. <sighs> yeah. Oh, yeah. They, <clears throat> I, I, I think there's sort of a, a similar... The way she reacts when he kisses her before she leaves and then she does that Merrill laugh, that kind yes, of like laugh, honky little laugh that she does. And then she's like, all right, I'll be back at 3.30 or whatever. And the way that it like breaks her, like whatever resentment or upset she had, I mean, so perfectly encapsulated in an incredibly tricky line reading of, well, I'm – making the crab thing you know for whatever that's oh that word. was almost my opening line yeah, yeah. making the crab thing I and then be... he's like i love the crab thing i i love you know the crab thing the crab thing is this sort uh. of devastating act one gun because then we see her dumping it at the end and it's like oh, the oh crab that food thing. colin
0: i want to go to that party so bad so can bad really imagine the decadence uh. of, and now it's just
1: wait it's garbage garbage <laughs> it's <Throw> garbage <laughs> Yeah, I mean, between seeing the cake go in the garbage, Laura Brown's cake. Oh, I know. It was like, we are really, I mean. And there was no
0: bag in that garbage can when she threw that oh, cake away. It was just like, <laughs> that's yeah. like the sound at me when I hit the, the side of it. It's like this metal garbage can. Right. It's like, Laura, Laura, you're you going to clean that
1: later. Yeah, yeah. I guess that'll keep you busy, but uh, <sighs> so'll make the hours pass. But um, yeah, I, I, I mean, I think Ed Harris, it was one of those performances that I got as excited about as I do about like, a woman. <laughs> I was just going to
0: say, it's like an unofficial BSA of this movie, uh, just because mm-hmm. maybe of, you know, the fact that he's playing a gay man with AIDS in the early 2000s, and it's, it's it has those notes
1: of BSAs. Yeah. Or a BSA. Yeah. yeah. Uh, similarly, as we're talking about playing gay men, let's talk about Jeff Daniels. Ooh, I'm interested to hear,
0: I want you to start this. I'm interested to okay. hear what you say, because I have conflicting opinions,
1: especially because of the book,
0: too, a kind of like, put me in a different mood about Mm. it but go ahead
1: okay yeah I would like to hear that because I I remember it being different in the book but um I I definitely want to hear your point your side of that yeah because I really love this scene I Jeff Daniels again like watching this it was like okay this is a straight actor playing a gay man putting on some gay affectations you know it's all there and it's impeccable in my opinion it's impeccable I was like yeah this is that's a gay man and there is something to be said for um, maybe because we've seen just years of people playing gay characters and making them just fools and making them very one dimensional and making it just about them being gay that like the only option was either to be Agador Spartacus or to just completely strip it out and have it only be in the text. But you know, like the, the gay characters in the family stone, you know, it's like, Oh, there's nothing gay about you. Um, <laughs> Gay about. <laughs> so I love that Lewis is gay and you know, it, like I think when he, when he first comes in and he does that, <clears throat> well, hi, he does that thing. And I was like, that's impeccable. That's yeah. great. And um, I of course love the line when she asks him about San Francisco and he's like, oh, well, you know, it's one of those cities. Everyone tells you to like, because I feel the same such way. A great line. <laughs> it's it's so such a Great line. It's such a great line. It's so good. And, um I I just I love this scene. Obviously it has that Merrill breakdown that yeah. I'm just obsessed with, but what the scene is like the more I've watched it the it, the notes that they they play or the beats that they play it's it would be very easy for this scene to not work. You know, because Merrill has that moment where where he talks about going back to Wellfleet and she's like, you know, we have to accept that like we have lost that. And I remember the first time watching that it was like that was kind of a melodramatic line reading. But then yeah. it's realizing that it's Lewis seeing Clarissa kind of going off the edge here. And it was like, oh, no, yes. she's being melodramatic right now. And yeah. I, the scene is obviously in some ways very much about Clarissa having that meltdown. But I think it works so – part of the way reason it works so well is because Jeff Daniels is playing the right contrasting notes. You know, like – one of my favorite parts is when he starts to move towards her and she goes, Oh Jesus, don't touch me, you know? And yeah, it's, Oh, it's, and it, and he then kind of like plays the sort of annoyance and this kind of like, okay, like what, what do I do here? Um, it just, I, I just love this scene and, um, I love, I love what he's doing. I just, I, I love what he's doing. Um, so yeah, overall I, I'm obsessed. Um, but it's one of those great, like one scene, like Tony Collette in the Mrs. Oh, Brown segment. Can't wait to get yeah, it's just like one great complex scene that hits a thousand notes. Yes, yes,
0: yes. Um, I have like some behind the scenes sort of notes oh, about this too, thank because God. some of them are fascinating. Um, Meryl described, I think she described Clarissa Vaughn too, as like. Um, She doesn't want to be caught be caught backstage because Mm -hmm. she has she has to have everything the way she wants it to be. So the fact that Lewis is kind of seeing the behind the scenes and backstage is like she already doesn't know how to deal with this. Because one thing that I kind of had to remind myself to, it's like Lewis wasn't invited to this party. At least he isn't in the book. And I don't think I'm trying to remember the movie now because the lines are blurred. Mm -hmm. Does she say like, oh, we're having a party. You should come because. Or is he just like in the neighborhood? Because that's how it is in the book. He's like, I was in the neighborhood. I'm visiting from San Francisco. I'm moving back. And I thought I'd said hi. Oh, I thought wow. I would
1: say hi. In the, in the movie, he, because um, Sally. He's actually invited. Because Sally sees the seating chart. And she's like, you sat me next to Lewis oh, Waters.
0: Oh, that's another great line. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, Why am I
0: with all the exes? Right. Trying to say something?
1: Right. Yeah. yeah. So I think in this, yeah. But I love that nuance that he's not invited in the book
0: yeah he just kind of shows up randomly and it's like this it kind of just like shakes meryl to the core because of the sort of love triangle that her lewis and richard had it's basically her and lewis are competing for richard right like it's just like that's a one-act play also too Mm -hmm. like the three of them i would love to see like that prequel being written michael cunningham get on it (laughs) um But Meryl said, too, that this scene is, they were actually about 25 feet away from each other because that apartment is so huge. Mm -hmm. The movie makes it look like they're eight feet apart, but she's like, it was so strange to film that scene because there's so much distance. And that was something that, if you notice, too, Stephen Daldry, the way that he, like, blocked all this, like, even the train station scene, like, um, you know, Leonard doesn't come all the way up to her. There's a lot of distance. Mm -hmm. I think specifically with, like, Virginia Woolf, mostly probably with clarissa though um the distance is so important and like a lot of the times the actor meryl said like that jeff daniels would want to come in and like you know he felt the need to do it but he kept him back there like against
1: the wall too and then eventually he does come up but um well i mean in this era of the coronavirus this is just responsible social distancing (laughs) it's so true yes exactly (laughs)
0: uh Meryl said this thing in the commentary she's like when you cry for nine hours straight your your face sort of rearranges itself into this cubist portrait that's why I look like hamburger for most of the movie <laughs> that's what she said <laughs> hamburger hamburger it's so good <laughs> uh, because I know what that looks like uh, when you're when you feel like your face looks like a hamburger yeah. it's
1: so fun one eye is lower than the other
0: yeah. yes it's true um and I also think that um I love the use of the cracking of the eggs mm-hmm. in this scene. Um, it adds to the drama, and it's also seen in like the earlier Virginia Woolf scenes with the cook, mm-hmm. with Nellie, and how like frustrated she is, and like the other cook is cracking eggs. I just I really like that. Um, when she turns on the sink, that was unplanned. Really, But she reacts yes, which I love <gasps> oh, because, because that's amazing. Stephen Daldry was like we we hadn't planned on her. I think they had turned maybe turning on the sink but they didn't expect it to explode because that is such a catalyst for a lot of what happens she's like and but they were like and meryl was a pro and reacted perfectly to it so they decided to keep it in and that was
1: just i know it's uh, too much it's (laughs) just too much like i love that because it is a catalyst it is like the final straw that like snaps her oh oh i love it's like when you're on the verge of crying and then you
0: accidentally stub your toe on something or hit your head. And that is just the, the floodgates open. Yes. And that is kind of what it is. And the way she says, like, shit mm-hmm. after, sh- after that happens. And it's such a great moment. Thank God for that sink. Oh. Best supporting actress for that scene. Best supporting sink. <laughs> and the best line, the best line of that is when she says, bad hostess. Oh, She's like, bad hostess? Oh. And she, like, it's just, it's like a, an open mouth sob that she contains
1: it is excellent it's, it is so good i love that because it's it's like she's about to like and i've always thought about that it's like that she's trying to write this off as oh i must just be having like bad hostess syndrome and then she can't even like do that Get like performance it, i love the, the the um physical drama of the when she says like i don't know what's happening here and she kind of like Gets a little like 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 a like a mummy that's like lost its footing. Like, <laughs> she did the monster mash in the kitchen for a she second. She does there. the monster. It's this like because she says I seem to be unraveling, and she's doing yes. this body language of unraveling, and it's oh. That all of her body language in that moment is some of my favorite physical drama. Mm-hmm, it's mm-hmm. the way when she starts crying and she puts her arm over her abdomen and doubles over. Oh God, I'm obsessed it's with it. So good. Oh. Oh. It's like pain. She's being stabbed. Mm-hmm. Um
0: I also love how she doesn't completely fall to the floor when she's leaning against that, um, like the, or near the dishwasher too. She still stands as opposed to just like collapsing. I love mm-hmm. that there's still a little bit of like, well, I'm not going to sit on the floor. Right. Um, right. But there, but I'm going to, I'm going to crouch down and take a moment here. And yes, back to Jeff Daniels. Um, I forgot about Jeff and that he even exists. <laughs> yeah. um, th- I think mainly my complaint with him is that he's just is too, um, he just seems so pompous and like not warm, and but at the same time, like the annoyance didn't I didn't like the annoyance, but I understand why it's there when she's breaking down and he doesn't quite know what to do but offers help. Um, there's something about the way that he moves throughout the apartment, but that's something that Meryl said in the commentary. She's like, You know exactly who this character is because of what he chooses to look at, what he chooses to touch the way that he looks at like the picture of Lewis on the the shelf and he picks up the book and the way that he throws the book onto the couch. I'm just like, Hey, I'm like, that's his book. I I just, I felt defensive and I I was on Merrill's side the whole time too. And I just didn't like who he was. Um, Mm -hmm. but that's just a me thing. Um, but within that, I think everything that Jeff Daniels is doing, like you said, is pitch perfect. And then I think I liked him more in the book. Like there's something like when he first enters, they hug and he, he writes that he, he, he wells up. He tears up a little bit because it's been so long. He's a little bit more sensitive in Mm -hmm. the book. And then when he talks about, um, he's and in the, in the movie, it's so great too. And he tells uh, Clarissa that he's like, he's fallen in love. He is dating or he's like, with a student, which is just like so uh, cliche, it's like of course, man of a certain age. Mm-hmm. Yes, um, you know, the professor and the student. Um, but that that's his breakdown in the book is like he talks about the student and like we're in love and Meryl asks him a couple more questions and then he just like breaks down. He's like, we're not in love. He's like, we're just together and he's going to forget about me. He already has like a couple other boyfriends or something. Mm. But he does kind of pack that into once like that one like you don't believe him
1: when he says that we're in love, not for a second. Right. And, right. And it's almost like he doesn't even believe himself. And, yes. And he's yes. said this before, and Clarissa's heard about this before. You know, in different oh, iterations. Yeah. yeah. Oh. Uh, you know, I hear you. I and I, I, I think we're not supposed to like Lewis. You know, like yeah. I think he is. I I know who this guy is, and I don't really like him. And I'm so impressed that Jeff Daniels is is. Nailing it so well, yeah. Like, oh yeah. god, yes. He is pompous. He is, he is ridiculous. And I love that Clarissa basically. You know, he says that thing at the end of like, I know you must think I'm ridiculous, and people say that when they want you to reassure them that they're not. Yeah. And instead, she the way that she says ridiculous, fortunate too. Like the way, and then like looks at him. It's like, oh, like it's such a, it's such a an unexpected dig. And yeah. I, and I think really kind of the way the scene ends on that is this reaffirmation of like Lewis is, he's, he is ridiculous.
0: Yes. It's a great scene. I hope you cover it. Oh soon. yeah. Because we could keep going. It's like, I want to keep going, but we have, we have so much With to cover. so many others. Ugh. I uh, just remembered another Alice and Janny moment real quick. It's just really funny when please. she comes in during that opening sequence and she sees like all the crabs and the saying. She's like, oh my God. <laughs> the way she's... <laughs>
1: Yes, yes, <laughs>
0: and they're just still alive and they're moving. Mm-hmm. also, I'm fairly certain I could be wrong that um Clarissa has the same sink as Laura Brown, like the same setup and the exact like uh, that sort of metal. it might not be the exact same sink, but mm-hmm. if it is, I love that. Wow, um, yeah, I pay <laughs> like I mean, I watched I didn't watch the movie. I guess technically I watched it twice, once with commentary, once without um. So I was looking at other things, and I feel like there was something else, but it's slipping my mind. Hmm. But anyway. Yeah. Uh, who I, next, Colin? Well, two?
1: you know, I I think that um, I, I don't have a lot to say about Claire Danes. I, I think she does really well yeah. in this. Yeah. Yes. Know? yes. Um, I that think, is fine. I think that the scene that she's in, the biggest scene that she's in, is so much more about Clarissa having that monologue. Yeah. That I So this has stuck with me so much. I used to think about this all the time when I was like in college, and... I'd be home for the summer and I, if I, and I was working at Wegmans. And so if I had a day in which I I love Wegmans, Wegmans. yes, I am. Their prepared food section is unparalleled. So I, yeah, I worked in the prepared food section for, for a number of years. I, oh my God, I, it was, I could, I could tell you best supporting supermarket Wegmans. (laughs) Uh, I
0: wish they had them in Pittsburgh. They, when we go to Erie, we always go to Wegmans and I just kind of like, spin around
1: like Maria and the sound of music. I just love it. I know. Anyway. I, yeah. Uh so I so when I had days where I didn't have to go to work, I used to always mm. think about that monologue and I used to always think, Ugh such a sense of possibility. You know, like anything yeah. could happen today. Yes. I And that I, I know that feeling. Right? That yes. feeling of such a sense of possibility. I have that like on a weekend like on saturday i had that where i was like there's nothing i have to do today i have nowhere to be
0: it's like a drug almost too and i get why she wants that and can never quite find it again too because her life is just sort of resigned to these mundane everyday parties Mm -hmm. i really love that idea yeah it's sad
1: but also (laughs) it's it's very sad yeah Uh, but and also that idea of like thinking that like, oh, this was happiness and there will be more of it. And and it's just the beginning. Like this is the beginning of happiness. And then realizing, no, this right here, that that was it. that It was happening. Yeah. And I think that's such a, you know, I've had that feeling about different things where I was like, oh, that was, those were the glory days. And I didn't even know I was yeah. in them. You know, like I yeah. think about, obviously I think about that with like podcasting and like, Talking about RuPaul's Drag Race and yeah. you know because All Stars two, yeah, All Stars two, time to be alive. It, the, exactly, I did not know those were the glory days, you know. Yeah, um, but I,
0: I could picture the energy of where I was at that point in my life. Mm-hmm.
1: And yeah, how it felt and all the details. Yeah, yeah, and it's just different now. And um, and there's different things that I'm probably in the prime of right now and don't even yeah. realize, you know. So it's like it's, life evolves, but um. There is that thing, I think, especially with age of like, oh, yeah, that that era is over as well. That yeah. that thing that you feel when you're young of like, there's just my life has not even started yet. It's like I don't feel that I feel that way in like little things, but not in the same way that I used to feel when I was 22. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Um, but, I, you know, all that being said, I think Claire Danes does a great job in this role. And I mean, for me, her the moment that won it for me is when she hugs Mrs. Brown at the end.
0: Oh, yeah. Can I get you some tea, Mrs. Brown? That's just it's a lovely moment. Mm-hmm. And it, it's lovely for Julianne, too. Like, oh. It's just like the possibility of what could have been had she like because in the book, it is revealed that she does have a daughter, mm-hmm. um, her second child. Um, and then she leaves. Um, but more on that. Well, she mentions a it a
1: little bit of like you know that uh, Richard's sister died. Um, like she says yes. that briefly, but we don't really. She rel- gets. We don't learn yeah, much about um, her. Yeah.
0: She dies in a car crash. Uh, it's it's in the book. Yes. Wow. Wow. Yes. Oh, and God. Dan is it Dan? Dan Laura Brown. He dies of liver cancer. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, uh, which is like I mean it's sort of when I hear liver cancer or something with like the liver, like it suggests a drinking problem or something with alcohol. Yeah. Interesting. Um, makes, right? Yeah. Cause like, I mean, when Kitty talks about like her husband drinking a lot of martinis, it's, it's interesting. The little, the, the tiny details, but, mm-hmm. um, but all that being said, uh, I think in terms of the, the Merrill era characters, I think that is actually everybody.
0: Yeah, I think so.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um. So let's, I mean, Do you want to go back to Virginia Woolf or do you want to go to Laura Brown? Ooh,
0: man. I think I'd like to end with Virginia. Yeah. Yeah. That's okay. No, that seems, that seems fair. Laura has a lot. Laura has a lot. I think (laughs) Laura Brown. I think that um, Julianne Moore has one of the most difficult roles in this movie because there's so much, it's like, how do you portray depression without speech without a lot of dialogue because that was one of the things that she said in the commentary she's like i don't really have a lot to say Mm -hmm. there's so much of what she has to do like lying in a bed or looking at her son or steering wheel or steering wheel acting you know stealing uh, it's, it's it's um it's a difficult job and i feel like it's hard because I feel like sometimes she might get lost in the shuffle of the three of these women. It might not be as exciting because she doesn't have like Virginia Wolf at the train station, or she doesn't have the, I'm beginning to unravel, but she does have more. I mean, she does have the toilet scene at the <gasps> end, which is also, <laughs> I mean, something
1: that, okay. I hate to do moment, but that is yes. the hardest scene to perform in this movie. Yes. Do you want to know something else, Colin? Mm-hmm. Oh, <gasps> I love this behind the
0: scenes shit. Okay, so they, they filmed that a couple times and she said it was super hard because she had to cry and John Riley's John C. Riley's in the other room, blah blah blah. But I'd say a good amount of time later they decided that they didn't like how they shot it and they would rather shoot it like in close up rather than um, like in the wide or whatever. So they had to refilm it. She had just finished filming Far From Heaven and they called her back to do it. And John C. Riley was not in the scene with her, so she had to do that all by herself, like with no. I'm sure they had someone read for John C. Riley, but it was just her in the bathroom, and that's the version that
1: they kept. Isn't that amazing? Wow! I mean, I know it makes
0: it. Yeah, it makes the impact of that even more.
1: Yeah, uh, I mean, it's so very like Elaine Stritch singing "Ladies Who Lunch" the next morning. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) Um, I. There is so many great acting moments in this movie, but I really think to let's talk about Laura Brown. Let's talk about yeah. Julianne Moore. I, you know, when the movie started, I was like, my my biggest takeaway was like, oh my god, I feel like I'm rediscovering this Meryl performance. I don't think I ever really appreciated how like great this like performance is. But then every time it would go to Laura Brown, I was like, okay, and there's Julianne Moore, and she's like the more I watched it, the more I no pun intended, Julia. And the more I watched it, the more I was uh, like, Oh yeah, I'll be here all night. Um, because I'm <laughs> on quarantine, but, um, it's, it's so good. And it's so, I mean, <clears throat> it's like, there is these shots where you're just like looking at this woman who is so lost and who is yeah. so like tentative and so like haunted and she doesn't have much dialogue to express it. And it's such a, um, there's so much gravity to this performance. It's, I think that Julianne Moore is doing some of the heaviest lifting in this movie. Yeah.
0: And maybe that's what I was trying to say too. It's like, I don't think she has the hardest job, but it, it is the most challenging to pull off and pull it off. Well. Um, There's something so simple about her at the same time, too, like that she's not smart or that she's just kind of downplaying. I love the idea between all three of them, really, of the idea of performing in public, like when she in the book, when she's searching for a place to go, her story is a little bit different because she doesn't go to the hotel to kill herself in the book. She goes to the hotel to just get some space and be somewhere for herself and just kind of clear her head and be able to read without having to deal with her son really. Cause she talks about her son and, and like, he always looks at her as if, as if like he's saying what's next, mm-hmm. which is true is, and like, she doesn't know what to do with him because she can barely take care of herself. She's like fragile and <sighs> equally as flawed, but it's like you almost, if you don't know that you kind of just want to shake her and be mm-hmm. like, wake up. But like, that's, that's the idea. And I think this is also, probably the most important role to like sort of read all the more reason to read the book and to really see what's happening underneath the surface because it adds to that once I went back and watched it after reading the majority of her bits in the book it all just
1: elevated it she's Mm -hmm. incredible yeah so good yeah it's I I feel like um you know the, the the way that she talks to Richie like the like them kind of making the cake together and like her, like, you know, with them sifting the flour and him saying like, mom, it's not that hard. She's like, no, I, I know, I know. Like, I love that Laura Brown isn't good at making a cake that she's not able to, she's struggling to create this life for Dan that she feels she owes him because, yeah. you know, she just wants to make him happy and, um, and that she's not good at it and that she's not confident at it. And I think it would be too much for Laura Brown to kind of show us that like for, for her to perform. Like if we were to see more examples of her being bad at being a housewife, it would feel too heavy handed. I like that the way that it's portrayed is with Julianne Moore just being very sort of tentative about things or being in some ways, much like Clarissa of like not wanting you to see behind the scenes of like, no, I know. Oh, I know how to do that. I know. And like, Oh yeah. Not being very, convincing about it you know like she i what i like about this whole thing of not wanting people to see behind the scenes is that laura brown is we are seeing her on a day where where the curtain is just like ready to fall you know
0: yeah um i have a couple bits from the book because i just think these are important and they're also just beautifully written it's like I, i can't remember what part of this but i think it's right when she leaves her bedroom at the very beginning and she doesn't want to go out into the the world. She just wants to stay in bed and it's her husband's birthday and she's like arguing with herself. It's like, I should go. It's my husband's birthday. I should be making him breakfast. But she's pregnant. So she gets like uh, a get out of jail free card, so to speak. But uh, in the book, it says she is stuck in a dreamlike feeling standing at the top of the stairs. We love standing at the top. Oh, of the stairs. Yeah. Um, she is again possessed by a dreamlike feeling as if she is standing in the wings about to go on stage for a play that she has not adequately rehearsed. I love that. Oh, I love that I, um, a gay
1: man so clearly wrote oh, that Oh, I know. I,
0: yes. I know. And then she just like little bits here, she's like, she is again alone with the child. She can't always remember how a mother would act. I love that. Mm. And then when she, when Dan is like talking or something like that, she says, why does his voice remind her sometimes of a potato being grated? I love that <laughs> because great. John C. Riley is a kind of a dopey potatoy guy. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? It's, it's so
1: perfect. Um, yeah. He I is love a lot of that. Uh, I love that. I, I, yes, I feel like if I went back and I looked at my movie tie in copy of the hours, All of those lines are underlined easily. Oh, yeah.
0: A lot of the Laura Brown stuff is some of the best stuff. Mm -hmm. I mean, but with that being saying, the whole book is incredible. Uh, Yeah, and then there's the rest (laughs) of it. Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah. Uh, It's it's Uh, it's beautiful. Now, I you know, Julianne Moore, she has two great crying scenes, and Mm -hmm. you know, there's the scene where she drops off Richie, and then she turns and walks away, and we get that classic Julianne Moore crying mouth. You know, yes, that I love that little bow tie. Yeah. Um, But truly, I mean, and we'll talk about the Tony Collette scene in a yes. minute, but uh, the crying on the toilet scene in the bathroom, I think it's like my two favorite parts are when she says, I'm terrified. And there's just like the tear. Oh. And then it's like towards the end, it's like, it doesn't seem like she's going to be able to pull it together. Like when, when she's, I think she manages to say like, yeah, I was I was gonna go see her or something like that. But she said, "I was going to, mm-hmm. I was going to stop by." Oh, but it's her it's trying so to stop herself from crying so she can say that, and it goes That's on hard. Oh. That is hard to do. Oh my god! And it's so, I mean, to me, it, it's yeah, it's the moment. It is, uh, it's the moment to be in this movie. There's, there's one other I will say that I I didn't mention with Clarissa is that when richard goes out the window the way that she screams oh. just goes right through me Ugh. yeah Ugh. um but yeah i mean for laura brown this is this is the moment and the fact that she did that all by herself like yeah at, in the reshoots yes yeah. yeah just sat there and was like all right all right juliana whenever you're ready <laughs> yeah i'd be like how how do i do this right wow oh god um all right, so let's let's talk about oh, Tony Collette. Colin, I'm so excited. It's
0: yeah, a vision. First of all, Ugh, a vision. Like, They're such called a- boobs. Ed, yes. I mean, she oh my is god, a buxom, curvy lady.
1: Yeah, I could just watch Tony Collette act all day because she, especially in this character, she'll she'll play like five notes in one sentence you know yes. it'll just be like a little roller coaster in one sentence and um i yeah what are your thoughts on on this one scene this one scene wonder of tony collette as kitty the neighbor uh, i think that there's so many
0: like you said it's such a this is the perfect example of a small role with uh like with some meat to it, I guess, too, because there's so much, like you said before, of not being said, but also being said. Um, And especially once we get to the kiss, too, which we'll talk about. But she comes in as this confident woman. I mean, that's how, that's all I'm going to say it for now, too. But like, and in the book, Laura's like, oh, she has so many things that I want. She's just beautiful and effortless and um, blah, 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 blah. But they're just... They both want what the other woman has, mm-hmm. like because Tony desperately wants children. I don't think you can call yourself a mother until oh, I don't think you can call yourself a woman until you're a mother. She yeah. says, which is just ugh, that's a lot. Yeah, um, but that's so of the time and probably maybe felt still today by some women. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And she was having. I'm jumping ahead, but um. I just think that there's, like, she kind of comes off as sort of uh, off-putting at first because she sort of pokes fun at Laura's cake. And I'm like, hey, she tried. You right. know what I mean? I right. get, like, all this... in defense of Laura, mm-hmm. Laura Brown. Um, she's like, oh, I bet you didn't even grease the pan. Like, it's uh, it's condescending and a little bit, I don't love that. But then it soon turns into this whole, you know, she has to go to the hospital Get to get this growth looked at but just going back to tony collette too there's there's a lot especially once oh what does she say when she picks up the mrs dalloway book that's Mm -hmm. probably where it all starts Mm -hmm. and i think the way julianne moore describes the book it's like it's about i don't know what she says like it's about someone who's seemingly
1: very confident but in the end is not and i'm fumbling with it it's something like it's about a woman who um Seems who's really who's really confident, and because she's so confident, everyone thinks she's okay, but she's not.
0: Yes. I think
1: that was the line. It's like the way that like, it's a great, I mean, and I don't know if this is the idea, but at, in those moments, like Laura is looking at Kitty the way that Richie looks at Laura. There's just this like mm. knowing staring of like, of like I see through you, like I see something about you. It's It's an interesting connection of mother and son doing the same thing. Yeah, it's, Julian Moore said that she loved this scene because it's. Um, I wrote some of this down
0: too. Uh, it seems like Laura is sort of coming into her her own. There's a way. There's a different way that she talks to Tony Collette that she wouldn't talk to Richie. If that makes sense, mm-hmm. like this, uh, she's like providing support. She's a little bit more motherly. She's connecting with someone, and Julian Moore says, and maybe that's ultimately what L- Laura needs is to just connect with someone that she kind of lacks because she can't connect with her child. She can't connect with her husband, but she is having this sort of fleeting moment with of all people, uh, this, this neighbor. Yeah. Um, that sort of manifests. It's like the kiss is the manifestation of all of what Laura is feeling at that moment too, because even in the book, they, like she can't really stop thinking about the kiss mm. and what it felt like. And it's, that's another sort of parallel with Virginia Woolf once, she kisses Vanessa later on um it's the same deal that they they can't get over how sort of how much they enjoyed it and how much it wasn't just like a sexual act it was just more affection mm-hmm. and and something that
1: they desperately needed at the time too but you know i um, i can definitely say in this time of social distancing and quarantining that like my appreciation for human contact has deepened and i could you know and i and i feel like you have an understanding of someone who is feeling isolated or is feeling disconnected and just like how much just that small connection feels magnified if you're lacking you know yeah and i it's true like there's watching the scene again this kiss it's not sexual it's but it's definitely two women who are finding emotional support with each other that they know they can't mm. have with their husbands because she knows like Kitty knows her husband isn't good with this stuff. And, um, there just is a natural disconnect happened that's happened between Dan and Laura. So here are two women who are hearing each other and connecting and caring for each other. And this kiss is just like a, it, yeah, it's like, I just, I need to be connected to someone and that's a an intimate way to connect with someone.
0: Yeah. Um, I love the line and it's not in the book, which I kind of love is when um, it's a different version of the line. um, When I think Ray is the name of Mm -hmm. Tony Collette's husband. She's like, does, does Ray have a birthday? It's like the fact that she asked that it's so, Mm -hmm. it's like, she's a child. You know what I mean? And Tony Collette just sort of laughs and she's like, Oh, Julianne's like, of course he has a birthday. What am I saying? She does that great, like half reaction of like, Oh, like, like it, it, it's like as soon as she said it yeah i'm, like, oh, it's why? So I'm such good. a dope you know like she does that well julianne yeah. moore does that well but in the book it's just the line is just uh when's ray's birthday but i love that they tweaked that that mm-hmm. was such a interesting sort of line that always sticks with me i don't know why
1: yeah um it almost feels like it's like the sync with meryl like it was like julianne moore saying the wrong line and then going oh sorry i don't mean that but then they just like kept it that's what it feels like maybe yeah you know Ooh, i would love if that was like a flub and they just kept it yeah but because it, it works it, it says so much about laura being like like yeah being foggy and and not being really totally grounded like not even realizing it's a dumb question not and not being good at socializing either you know yeah 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 it really is it's like she is sort of disheveled
0: she has coffee and she's not really she's kind of unkempt you know Mm -hmm. what I mean she has like her robe still on and her hair is like a little messy she's a little you know sweaty yeah um yeah, that always sticks it's, with me how sweaty she is. That that like yeah. reads. Yeah. Yeah, it does. She's yeah. listening. What do you think of Tony? I I'm I'm babbling away and we kind of uncovered a little bit of it, but
1: I mean, I I think I love the set piece of Kitty and and how she you know, it's like a great acting, you know, uh exercise for someone to like play all these notes of Kitty then revealing that she has to go to the hospital and then that she's a that she's worried about it and I love Watching Tony Colette navigate that the 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 hopscotch of like the way that she's like, well, you know, the joke of it is, I mean, you know, I could I could do anything. I mean, I could do anything, you know, and like yes. that, all of that that she does is, it's like those are the moments where Tony Collette is so fascinating as an actor because she in those like changes of beats, like she makes it's very obvious the changes in the beats that she's hitting, you know, and it's very mm-hmm. it it's a little less subtle than the way that Julianne Moore works or even Meryl Streep, who isn't terribly subtle all the time works. (laughs) Tony Collette's chain, like acting choices are a little bit bold, like they're bolder or they're, they're more noticeable, but I love acting choices. I love obviously Tony Collette and hereditary. It's just Uh. acting. And so I really enjoy from just that point of view of watching an actor work and like the work of acting and like the art of acting, Tony Collette's very fascinating to watch because you can, you can see the choices, but it doesn't undermine the performance. Does that make sense? Like, yes, it's not like I'm just watching an actor, you know, hit beats. Um, Yeah. So I just, I find I, I really enjoy her in this and I, because she gets to do like all those little things, like even after the kiss, and Laura being like, Are you okay with that? And she's like, Okay with what? But then when Laura offers to drive her, she's like, No, I, I think I'd feel more comfortable driving myself. And then there's just oh, this new yes. beat that she's hitting of like, No, keep your distance. I uh Yeah. I, I saying it without saying it. Yes. Yeah. I, I really just um she's just a pleasure to watch work. And and she was great in the
0: scene. Yeah, it's like watching like Michelangelo and Da Vinci just, like, paint something together, even though they would never do that, but right. they're both. It's just like watching these actresses who are at, the, like, the top of their game with great material, and they're all together in
1: one movie. It's yeah. just uh, yeah, wonderful. What a gift. I mean, you know, not only is this a movie where Meryl Streep and Allison and Janney are playing longtime lesbian lovers, but Julianne Moore and Tony Collette have a scene yeah. together. Yes, I mean, like... It's just all of, it's, it's like, ugh, what a gift. Um, it is. Man, if Celia Weston <laughs> was playing oh God. Uh, Mrs. Latch, I don't I know. know what I would do with myself.
0: <laughs> I know, poor Margot. Poor Margot Martindale. She yeah. doesn't have much to do. She's kind of just like this hefty, brawny woman, mm-hmm. who just like... Is there. She's fine. Um, She's fine. I've I, got cookies.
1: I always remember I've that. I've got one. cookies.
0: Cigarette. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. me. I would yeah. play her. <laughs>
1: yeah, not for nothing, but that line reading of I've got cookies, a cigarette on the porch. Yes. That's, yes with the apron on. Yeah. It's great. Yeah. It's a great role. Um, it's worth mentioning uh, John C. Riley. I think he's perfect oh, as Dan.
0: Yes. I think that he's one of those actors, too. Like, if you think of, like, he's. Like, stepbrothers to this, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? I Mm -hmm. mean, equally, like, I just love someone who can do both. It's, like, sort of like a Robin Williams, uh, at times Jim Carrey, like, just people that are known mainly for comedic stuff are, because I think he was actually filming, the reason why he couldn't come back for that last scene is because he was filming Gangs of New York. It's just crazy, his resume. It's so um, diverse. Yeah.
1: And I I love him a lot.
0: He's so of this time. Well. Oh,
1: yes. Yeah. I feel like we talked about this in the Chicago episode because yes. obviously he was in Chicago as well. And like, yeah, he was just it was here. it was this era of just like, oh, John C. Riley is just in everything. He's just yeah. the supporting actor in everything. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I loved him in this. I thought he was great. I think the way that he kind of almost tauntingly says, come to bed, Laura Brown. Like it's so. Yeah. Oh, my He's God. He's playing the part. He's playing the part, playing the part of the Grand Dame. Yeah. <laughs>
0: She was haughty. (laughs) What's the other word? I used to have it written (laughs) on my phone. I wonder if I could still find it. Um,
1: This, of course, is Tammy Brown talking about Michelle Visage. Yes.
0: Yes. In All Stars 1.
1: And about the line of makeup down her neck. Oh,
0: I have it right here. Michelle was being really haughty and playing the part of the grand dame. It was nasty. It was trite, actually.
1: (laughs) I can't believe you just pulled that up. I know. I
0: have it on my phone just for a rainy day such as today. Wow. Who wow. would have thought I would needed that for our hours that, episode? That
1: yet? was great. Yeah. That was um, Tammy Brown as Laura Brown. <laughs>
0: <laughs> 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 oh, that is good. That is good. That's Oh, to cast like Drag Race Queens as... Oh my from the hours. Oh that's, my god. We'll talk about that off air. Yeah. Yeah. Like a bonus episode.
1: <laughs> the rest of my week spent thinking oh, about that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, um so it's funny, I was I didn't I didn't do much digging in terms of like I usually try to look for like, oh, what were the alternate casting choices? But in terms of people I could see in this, there was one acting choice that Mel or uh, Julianne Moore made in some scene, um, I think with Kitty. And it reminded me of um, Cynthia Nixon, and I was like, I Ooh. would love to see Cynthia Nixon in this role. Um, I saw her in there was a production on Broadway a couple of years ago of The Little Foxes, and she played. She and Laura Linney like alternated. They, they did two of the roles in Rep. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. And like Laura Linney was definitely I the one I saw the ones I saw them play. I was like that was the right choice because there were yes. there's clips on YouTube. I can send you one. Um, I'll send you the one that's making me think about this, but there's clips on YouTube of each of them doing the same scene, playing a different Mm. character. And uh, the character that Cynthia Nixon plays, Birdie, has kind of a Laura Brown quality, and she's great. She's so good. So, like, not, I mean, I think there's certain things Julianne Moore does in this role that, like, only Julianne Moore can do. Um, yeah. But if I had to do alternate casting, that was someone who just popped in. It was like, Cynthia Nixon. I know she's kind of doing the government thing these days, but like, great actress. Yeah,
0: honestly. It's like, I thought of that game too as I was watching this, but like, there's part of me that just can't. It's like Beatrice Strait. Once I know. They made network. It's like, I, I don't want this to happen, but since there's so much of this that just. What if they made this into a play? I don't think it would ever work. Mm. It would be it would be very interesting to see because there is so much of it that's set up like a play, like the scenes that are written and the way that mm-hmm. this is directed as well too. but I just don't know if it would translate. It would be a beautiful play them. Oh yeah, I, I think it would be like like the set design. I can almost imagine the way that they. I just picture like a big rotating platform of just like all three
1: Ugh. sets and how they
0: sort of like they can like walk through the doors. Um,
1: mm-hmm. So long as Philip Glass continues to do the music, and that it's not yeah, a musical. I, that's yeah. true. Yeah, yeah, not a musical. Thank no, you. I don't no, need a yeah. song about the cake
0: being in the garbage. You know? Right?
1: Yeah, Sutton Foster as Virginia uh-huh. Woolf. Yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> No, thank you. Patty Lapone is Mrs. Latch, You know, <laughs> <laughs> I've got cookies. I know. <laughs> you want to see my basement? Still wear a hat? Yeah. <laughs> you should. You should see my tape collection and my oh, pinball my machine. Oh my god,
0: it's something.
1: Oh my god, those Patty Lapone touring oh, her yeah. family room videos. This is the only thing that's going to get me through the next month of yeah, this quarantine. Yeah, it kind of ties
0: into my BSA of the week. That's Great. not my BSA of the week, but it's it's influenced by it. Yeah, Great. That's good.
1: Um, <sighs> so I think that we've covered everybody. I mean, Richie, I forgot the, the little actor's name, but he yeah. is fantastic. Yeah, I mean, what a, an adorable little boy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so let's now go back to uh, Richmond. And, yes. Um i I feel like I know I kind of excused Nicole Kidman from this because she's like the winner of everybody, but yeah. I mean it is worth mentioning, like what do you think of Nicole Kidman in the hours? um, I remember when she won i
0: i was it was sort of like the favorite idea i mm-hmm. i I almost said I'll go to my grave saying this, but the more i after I watch this movie, I'm like I kind of. I'm fine with it. Cause I, I really loved Renee Zellweger in Chicago that year. I think that that could have been a performance she could have won for, especially since Chicago was such a juggernaut that year it would have been cool to see like, you know, best supporting actress, best leading actress, that sort of combo. Mm-hmm. But, um, and I, 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 guess, I mean, there's nothing we can do about it now, but I guess she is the sort of, <sighs> I don't want to say the lead in the sense of like most screen time, because I don't, I think it's like divided pretty well, I think, mm-hmm. but like, she is the, she is the reason the story exists. The care, like the Virginia Wolf specifically is the reason that this exists because that's the, the through line is Mrs. Dalloway and it, it is seen sort of through her eyes, I suppose, maybe not quite through her eye, but, um, she's kind pencil. of the
1: catalyst of the story in a way, you know? Yeah.
0: It's, it begins and ends with her. Yes. Um, Oh that letter she writes to Leonard it's just gorgeous and I don't I don't know if that was the letter or if that was something that Michael Cunningham just sort of like dreamed up but
1: I was wondering that too if this was the actual letter if they'd tied yeah. that in yeah um, um Yeah I was just kind of looking through in terms of like she was kind of the favorite to win I mean Critics Choice Awards uh Julianne Moore won for Far from Heaven uh, Oh yeah and then but yeah I mean for the most part it to me it feels like it is in terms of like, I don't want to say Oscar bait because I really don't think it was that. But in terms of performances that win Oscars or get recognized, yeah. it makes sense. She's playing a, a, a known historical character. She's doing yeah. a huge transformation. She's doing a physical transformation. Um, it's, it's a role that it, it's a... Um, in terms of her celebrity identity, it's a transformation because mm-hmm. uh, Nicole Kidman, obviously, certainly up until that point, was very much known for being beautiful in movies. And, and yeah. that is part of her image. And so to then be doing this movie where she's practically unrecognizable and she's, you know, dressed down and she's she's playing a troubled person. I mean, these are it doesn't surprise me that she would win Best Actress and would get recognized Um I think that it is probably some of the best work that Nicole Kidman's done. Yes. Absolutely. Uh absolutely. And I
0: what are your opinions on Nicole Kidman? I don't think we've ever really like talked I'm sorry to interrupt no. you there. Sorry. I think
1: Nicole Kidman is really good in this. I, I to be totally fair or to be honest, I think that it's kind of like a uh, Julia Roberts and Aaron Brockovich situation where it's like, well, it's kind of career best. This is like the best sure. thing have ever done. So like I'll give you a lot of points for that. Nicole Kidman in general is a, an actress that feels a little bit more limited in range, certainly from Meryl Streep and Julianne Moore. Sure. Um, I think that she, it's like, I also could see like her winning the Oscar cause it's like in some ways, while Julianne Moore has some of the most heavy lifting in the movie, it's like Nicole Kidman had to work the hardest to like meet them. Uh, they their like yeah. skill level. Because I just think she's a different kind of actress. I think she does. I I think that she just, for me, has somewhat more of a limited range. But I mean, you know, it can certainly be really effective in the right role. Um, yeah. So yeah, Nicole Kidman. It's like okay, yeah, I like her. She's fine. But I don't get excited the way I do about Allison Janney or Olivia Coleman or Meryl Streep. You know.
0: Sure. I can, I can get on. I can get on board with that too. I do understand that. Um. I think I like Nicole Kidman most when she's sort of like roaring you know what i mean at the train station oh. like there's a scene in moulin rouge too where she um talks she's talking to um harold zidler uh which is that was like a gay awakening for me that would definitely be one of my like when i found out culture was for me moments was moulin rouge in like high school or middle school whenever and i was just like this is art mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> but i know a lot of people could go off about moulin rouge so i will not uh subject you all to that but there's a where sh- uh, he says like she She says, like, he loves me, and that is everything. And she's, like, screaming. It's so good. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that's when I'm most excited, but I think there's almost too much subtlety. It's, like, I want to see her, like, loosey-goosey, if that makes sense. Like, that's such a – that's a strange way of saying it, but, like, there's part of, like, the physical – She's so stoic and she's so tall. She's so tall um, <laughs> that I just uh, I feel like my grandmom. Uh, <laughs> but she's so tall. <laughs> she's so, oh, you're so tall. Um, I get it is what I'm trying to say. I'm not gonna. I'm, I feel like I'm stumbling over the end game of what I'm trying to say here. But um, yeah, I'm not as excited, but I'm always glad to see her. I mm-hmm. think, uh, she, and in this role specifically, there's so much that I really. I think there is some nuance here to like her just sitting in that chair and thinking about what she's writing and the way she smokes a cigarette and the way she talks to the staff and the way she has her right hand in her pocket the whole time, which is where like the stone goes at the end of the movie too. Mm -hmm. I just think there's something, some interesting choices being made. And like uh, Nicole Kidman said that she was obsessed with like her costumes. She loved everything that um, Anne Roth gave to her. Um, And, she probably has the best text, like, oh, as far yeah. as what she... That is, like, it's the best written role. I think she has, the mo- like, the best things to say. Julianne Moore has the best things to do. And Meryl is somewhere, like, in the middle. Like, I think she yeah. also has some great lines. But, yeah. like, there's more nuance there where um, it's more... Acting through like some of Nicole Kidman's best work is her dialogue as opposed to the nuance, but there still is a good amount of it too.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that Meryl gets like the best story in the movie because she kind of has the biggest transformation for Clarissa. Like we get to see Clarissa go through so much, everything, and it, and in a way, like the movie is, you know, it, it is about her day. Like as much like her day is the framework. It's funny because like each of them is a framework. But um, I hear you. I think that that Virginia Woolf, I think that Nicole Kidman gets some of the best lines. I mean that that train station scene is uh, mm-hmm. really great. I think yeah, wherever that roaring line is, like, "Yes, it is mine." Oh, She's in, oh, it's, it's so, so good. good. I'm
0: dying in this town. Yeah, I oh. love
1: that. Um, it's everything. It's everything you need to do to get an Oscar, basically. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. and it's great. It's a full transformation. Um, would it win a Weston? Maybe not. I think is what <laughs> Would I'm Alice coming to. Alison
0: beat her for the Weston.
1: Probably, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, speaking of or Tony Collette, or yeah. Tony Collette. I mean, the yes. thing is, like, or Tony Collette, or you know, Miranda Richardson. I yes. mean, uh, I, 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 I think in the past, I think because in general, I don't like love period pieces. I'm so much more attached to things. Oh, that's right. I always forget that. Yeah. And yet, like once I settle into a period piece, like usually I can find like the emotional current I identify with. Mm -hmm. And I think that Miranda Richardson, the the way that she comes into the movie and Vanessa just feels so fully realized from the beginning. And it just, it's just, she's just, I, I know who she is from that first reaction of being called out for being early, um it's such a good performance in some ways it is one of the best in the movie uh, because it's just vanessa feels so alive to me and so Mm -hmm. like informed and um it's in so many little choices i i i love this performance i think miranda richardson is so fucking good in this she
0: is really great, um, and Nicole Kidman, of course, sings her praises in the commentary too. Mm-hmm. There's something about the way that they're meet. Like, I love the way that Miranda Richardson kisses Nicole Kidman mm-hmm. at the beginning. She's like. Mwah. Yeah, it's and like clutches
1: like, her arms with her fingers. It's, yes. Yeah, and Ugh. the
0: way that Nicole Kidman just like reacts to the, like I feel like that's some. Those are some of my favorite Nicole Kidman scenes. The way she leans and she's like, "I told Nellie to go to London to get Ginger." <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And she's just like it's like this. They are they are sisters. They are um, and you believe it. Mm-hmm. Um, them in the garden with like Virginia's head leaning onto Vanessa's shoulder. There's this really great, almost like a blooper. They they show them filming that scene in the behind, there's like a little featurette in the DVD and Nicole Kidman's like delivering her line, but um, Miranda Richardson's earring gets stuck in Nicole Kidman's hair and she just like ever so gently just like pulls Nicole Kidman's head up pulls the earring out and then she pulls Nicole Kidman's head back and then she kisses her on the head she kisses her on the forehead she's like shall we try it again oh it's my god Oh so <laughs>
1: delicious I love that yeah
0: <laughs> she kisses her and it's just like okay let's try again
1: oh I mean that's just I feel like that energy reads in, in the performance like it's yes. Uh, I do love in their scene, it's one of my favorite lines from the movie, is when Virginia says that even crazy people like to be asked.
0: Oh, yes. That was my oh. one
1: I underlined. Yes. Oh, I just love that line. It's so
0: true. It's mm-hmm. so true. It's like, even if you're not going to go, even if they, you know they're not going to go,
1: still ask me. Right, right. It's like the acknowledgement that I'm, I exist. Yeah. Yes. Uh, you know, I think what's really interesting about Vanessa is, is that there is this youthful energy where – you know, she, when she runs off when they're going to build the, the little, um, you know, the, the, the bird grave, you know, sure. and, the funeral. Yeah. Yeah. And she kind of like runs off like a child and like, oh, okay, Oh, I'm coming. Like, it's, um, like little things like that told me so much about who Vanessa is and why she and Virginia are on just like two different wavelengths, you know? And mm-hmm. like Vanessa's just like, in, they're totally sisters, but then in other ways, um, it's like they're just like they live separate lives in separate worlds, you know. Yeah, and the fact
0: that she, Vanessa, still lives in London, which is like the where Virginia wants to be or thinks she wants to be at the mm-hmm. moment, too. It's like it's like it makes so much sense that Virginia
1: is just like clinging to her, yeah, yeah, um, as much as she can. Uh, and then, uh, I mean, I think for me with Vanessa, I mean not to just like skim over all of her, you know, all of her scenes, but I mean, she is kind of like, it's like the Tony Collette character or, or like the Lewis waters character. She's the slightly unlikable visitor, you know, who's yeah not totally offensive, but not wildly welcome, you know? Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. And I like that in the, I like in the end, her kind of urgency to leave. I like just the, the acting with props of like getting the boxes into the, into the carriage. And, um, Kind of trying to just get away from Virginia. Yeah. I don't know. It's, it's, uh, it makes me think about Clarissa with Richard and like trying to leave him. Like there's something, there's a through line in this movie of people trying to get away from crazy people, you know? Yeah, trying to back true. out slowly. And I like the yeah. way Vanessa does it.
0: Yes. Uh, that kid, the kiss is more, is definitely like a step above or at least a little bit more passionate than the Tony and, Julianne kiss too. There's there's a lot to be said for it, and it's it's talked about a lot in the book, like I mentioned before. Um, But uh, Miranda Richardson is the way that she reacts to it Mm -hmm. all, like the tears. I'm basically kind of reiterating what you're saying already too. Is just she's gathering the daughter, like come. It's almost it's very Sally Field. We have to go. We have to go right now. (laughs) Totally, totally. Without without being so over the top, you know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Like that's Miranda Richardson's like uh a far less she's doing it right if that makes sense totally the to sally feel just going like ripping the band-aid
1: off mm-hmm. you know what i mean um yeah i love Miranda richardson has like after she kisses her and her hair is a little bit mussed and she just yeah. she looks kind of like lost and frantic and like confused and and it's it's kind of like some of the work that julianne moore is doing and that like she doesn't have lines to work with she only has face like you know reactions and like body language and and just to communicate that like I I I just have to go. I just need to not be here anymore. I I yep. loved it. Gonna miss the train and that little girl.
0: Um, she's like goodbye, and Nicole Kidman's like goodbye, little girl. Ugh. And then two large tears. That's one of my favorite parts of this scene. Is like the way that she blinks and they just fall Ugh. perfectly. It is. Art. Yeah. <laughs>
1: it's like, it's so good. Nicole is really good at the subtle tear. Because, yeah, she oh, does it at the train yes. station, too. We oh. get a tear. Oh, it's It's great. It's, yes. um yeah. Uh, Should I, we get to the train station? Yeah. Uh,
0: or do you, you want to talk about Leonard before we get into
1: that? Well, I you... think that brings us to Leonard. Because my favorite yeah. Leonard moments are at the train station, yes. certainly. Stephen uh, Delane, mm-hmm. handsome as all get out. He is yeah.
0: so, he's so, like... I don't know the doting husband but also like sexy in a way but also um I don't know. Yeah. I I really like him a lot and I uh, the train
1: station all aboard let's get on. Let's get on. Let's get on to it. <laughs> uh, you yeah. know what I love about this scene is that while it is so much about Virginia Woolf having that, you know, that moment of rebelling, having that Oscar Oscar moment essentially. Um it's also very much about Leonard and very much about yes. like You know, I have been the patient doting husband all this time. And, like, we did this all for you. Like, we – all of this, like, I uprooted my whole life for you. And, like, I love when he's, like, you know, this sort of comes off as, like, ungrateful here. And it's – and how he's just at his wit's end. Like, it's such a great – again, it was a performance that excited me the way that a a best supporting actress would. You know, he – he was just kind of that catharsis and that finally letting it all out. I, you know, I can watch an actor do that all day. One of my favorite lines that he
0: says, and it's so quick, but like she, it's like right when he gets there, she stands up and she said, I'm, I'm attended by doctors and blah, 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 blah. And he says, Oh, Virginia, the way he says it, like, it's so good. He's like, Oh, it's like, you're hysterical right now. Like, Mm -hmm. like it's, I think there are certain levels of like, um, Uh, calming Virginia down. You know what I mean? I think Mm -hmm. he starts out with like, maybe I can get her home by just being calm and gentle and just like coaxing her off the, the, the train. Yeah. What is it? The platform there. Yeah, But then he has to go to like stage two. And then once he says something about the printing press... And that's where he says, uh, where is it here? He says, uh, it was done for you. Mm-hmm. It was done for your betterment. And then he's like, and then finally he's like, it was done for love. And he like
1: screams it. Oh, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, it's interesting. The parallel of him trying to kind of stop her the same way Clarissa is trying to stop Richard from jumping out the window, Ooh, you know? It. And mm-hmm. like, how do you kind of gent like, you know, in the different ways of doing it, do you, Do you owe Virginia someone? Do you yell at them? Do you coax them back? Like, how do you connect with someone who's on the edge? And, um, and really, like, what we're seeing is of just like Virginia Woolf is just not, she's just not ready yet. I mean, it's like, it's inevitable. Like, it's going to happen. She's going to kill herself. And it's just another opportunity for, for Leonard to, Walk her back from the ledge, like he yeah, I feel like this is just you know this is not a victory, it's like he didn't win the war, he just won the battle, you know,
0: yeah, the Battle of the day, yeah, and the other thing is that in the book too, she doesn't really necessarily want to run away for good, she just wants to go to London for like two hours and come back that That was her sort of plan, but she doesn't reveal that to him in the book oh i I thought that the whole scene was in the book, and it wasn't, and I was left wanting more like the beginning of it is Mm -hmm. i love at the beginning where she's like mr wolf what an unexpected unexpected surprise it's so funny Mm -hmm. and like so almost comical in a way she kind of looks down and like rocks forward for a moment uh it's it's great
1: yeah it's a much bigger moment in the movie um but that makes sense that structurally they would need to make it this big thing uh i also love in terms of Stephen delane's acting choices when It's like the decision is made, like, okay, then we'll go back to London. And then he just starts to cry. Oh, Oh,
0: it's I, like, underlined that.
1: uh... Oh. It was such a, like, oh, it's just, it was so hard to watch. Like, it was so, and, like, such an economic choice. Like, there was so much pain there that he just, like, quietly communicated. Oh, my God. It was, he is one of the strongest performances in this movie as well.
0: Yeah. It's... And the way that she she knows, it's like she knows that she's putting him through the ringer. She is getting her way. She should be happy. But the way that she looks at him once he says, all right, London, it is then. Mm-hmm. It's like she can't believe he said it. But also like, I can't put you through this anymore. Yeah. I, I, I'm seeing what I'm doing to you. It is my... Tr- like that whole, I call like the sort of quiet half of the monologue when she like sits next to him and just like uh, like the the quiet tears really... Mm-hmm. Ah, uh, she's like you live with the threat of my extin- extinction. I live with it too. And I love what she says. I wish I. What is it here? I, I wish I could be happy for you in this quietness.
1: Ugh, mm. it is so good. Yeah, so good. Yeah, someone who's staying alive team. for somebody else. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, that, and I know that's the whole point is all these connections. But I really saw so much more of them that you know, Laura is staying alive for Dan and uh and for Richie and. Uh, Richard is staying alive for Clarissa and Virginia is staying alive for Leonard. And, mm-hmm. um, and that even, and like, it's Clarissa who thinks, well, that's what we do. We just stay alive for, for people. It's like, it's not like it. And, and I think she kind of learns that by the end is like, it, that's not what life is about. It's just like staying alive for other people, you know? Yeah. Um, I think we've discussed all of the actors yeah, in we, this movie. We have, we have. Um, I think, you know, as we sort of talk, I mean, it, I just couldn't not highlight that final scene or the, the the final conversation or moment between Richard and Clarissa when he's in the windowsill. And,
0: Oh yeah. I mean, we kind of got away from it too, but yeah,
1: I think that it's, it's some of like Meryl's most interesting work is Mm -hmm. her kind of watching this happen. And like the, from the moment she gets to the apartment, it's a real journey that she goes on. Um, of, of realizing what's happening and, and trying to talk him down without him realizing. And the way that she's like, you don't have to, you don't have to go to the party. You don't have to do anything you want. You have to go to the ceremony. Yes. Like yeah. all of the notes that she's hitting that she's in, like she's trying different tones that she will hope will connect with him. You know, uh-huh. even when she says like talking about her day and she's like, like Mrs. Dalloway in the book, like she talks to him yes. like he's a kid, you know? Yeah. And when he says that, like, you know, I've stayed alive for you all this time, but now you need to let me go. And she goes, hmm. Well, like she does this little hmm. And it's so Anne Hathaway in *Brookbeck Mountain on the phone with Heath Ledger. <laughs> oh yes. It's another So that hmm. <laughs> uh and when he's talking in the way that she's like, Yes, like and she's saying yes, and like all these different responses that are just yes, but all of them say so much. Yeah. And it's her the... eyes
0: are just darting all over the place. Yes! She's desperately trying to think of something to do or
1: oh, The uh, the eye acting going on. Yeah. And and then you know, as we were talking about earlier, like when he, you know when he tells her goodbye and, and rolls out the window, it's like her her scream is just like it's so for some reason, that reaction is just like, yeah, that felt so correct. Um, I re- what I do remember from the book, what has always haunted me from the book, is this scene when Clarissa is then like realizing she doesn't know how to get down to the body. Like she, oh yeah, he, that oh was my next point. Like there's there's more in the book, yes, and mm-hmm. it's devastating. Like that panic of how I don't know how to get to him now. Like it yeah. was.
0: He's in a weird part of the apartment. It's like in mm-hmm. the back
1: of it almost. Or somewhere, mm-hmm. I don't know. That always stuck with me is like the, like. Clarissa navigating that situation um but I think I say all of this to to say that it's a hard decision but if I have to decide my favorite performance in this movie I struggle because I kind of want to give it to so many of them but I I think the revelation for me it's so on the nose was Meryl Streep yeah it like i'm obsessed with clarissa vaughn i'm obsessed with <laughs> it's her it's such a
0: great name it's yes so of the character too it's mm-hmm. uh it sounds exactly how she is yeah
1: makes sense it's so perfect i love this performance i love this character i just i i could watch this movie over and over i started watching it again this morning thinking oh i'll just watch some clips and just refresh myself, no, and you I get just sucked
0: in, oh, into the current. Yeah, the it, river.
1: I just I I went right under, and there went my shoe. You know, <laughs> um, <laughs> my shoe. Yeah.
0: um, I'm oh, sorry, keep going. No, no,
1: no. I was just about to ask you. So okay, yeah, the moment. I, has I come. think for
0: the sake of just saying someone else too, I I'm gonna give it to Julianne more, especially after reading the book. I think I'd be interested if you have the time, and I mean, we all got the time mm-hmm. um, to read it again and just kind of get some of those notes that she's playing. Um, it It really does heighten it. And I think she has a more difficult job, like we talked about before, just really playing de- depression. Um, without it just becoming completely flat. There are there's so many things underneath the surface. And we didn't talk about it too, but the hotel scene where she, where the water comes up mm-hmm. and how gorgeous that shot is. Oh. Like, I just... And she said that she was really terrified of filming it. Like, they showed her what was going to happen. They, like, mm-hmm. It's basically the bed is up on this platform, and they lower it into water. Mm-hmm. And and they, she has to, like, be absolutely still the whole time. Yeah. I remember um, watching
1: her during that scene and seeing the way her body just, like, is thrown. Yeah. It's it's She's not resisting it. And I was thinking, oh, that must be so scary.
0: <laughs> yes, I would be terrified. But I also... I love that they did that. I love that that was a choice by Stephen Daldry, too. So, um, yeah, I mean, we could go for... It's like, is it Tony? Is it Miranda Richardson, even?
1: Well, then there's the question of, like, best-featured, you know. This is the Westons. You know, there are those one-scene roles. Because it's hard to compete with what Meryl and Julianne Moore are doing. And I'm glad we picked them. But And then everyone else, it's like, okay, so if we look at this as, like, best-featured player, you know, it's still really hard. Uh, It's still really hard. It's
0: like I almost want to go to the men, too. It's like... I
1: know. Well, I mean, I'm struggling because it's like, you know, Miranda Richardson is fabulous in this. Yeah,
0: yeah. That was kind of my first instinct, too. Um,
1: Then there's Alice and Janney, who I just love. And then there's the flower shop scene. There's Barbara, played by Eileen Atkins, in the flower uh, shop scene. And I love that scene. And I love, like... oh. What a what a blessing though to have so many options. Let's just take yeah, that in. And... just for options, buckets of options, buckets
0: oh. flowers,
1: <laughs> nominations, just nominations, buckets of PSAs.
0: <laughs> I don't know. It's like I, I have to pick a man and a woman. I'm gonna okay. Do it. I think, I think it's Miranda for me, Miranda Richardson, and I think. I think Stephen DeLane wow. as, as Leonard. I just think those are my two. Like mm-hmm. as, it's, it's like almost like Ed Harris is a given. It's like the Moira Rose is always the given but of course, of the Alexis. I think Ed Harris we we said enough, enough about Ed Harris. He's not in this category. I think it's like it's It's, it's yeah, Stephen and it, only Stephen.
1: Yeah. Um it I agree. I think that Stephen DeLane is so good in this. Um I love Jeff Daniels of course. Uh yeah. You know, and what we hadn't mentioned and I want also I think which does tip things a bit in Julianne Moore's favor for winning is like, she does a great job as the older Mrs. Brown. And I know they redid that as well.
0: They did. They cast an old woman and it Mm -hmm. just didn't work. Yeah. They wanted it to.
1: And I was thinking about that. It was like, it wouldn't. And, and I was wondering if the makeup, it would have aged well, or if it would have been kind of like, eh, didn't really, doesn't totally work in 2020, but it works. I think it's some
0: great work.
1: Yeah. Older Laura Brown is excellent. And I love the way she gets kind of emotional after Julia hugs her. Like that's a beautiful oh, note. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so it's almost like, God, she's doing Julianne Moore is doing so much work in this movie. Yeah. Um. So I'm, I, I'm happy that you picked her because I'm like, okay, good. I just need to know that she won something.
0: Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Exactly.
1: Yeah. And then, of course, I mean, uh, then it's like, okay, or do I just give it to Philip Glass?
0: (laughs) I know. (laughs) Honestly. Yeah. Ugh. There's Uh, so many, there's an abundance of riches here that we could. Yeah. Abundance of richies. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) A little richie.
1: Um, uh, and that actor's name was Jack Ravello. Just since we've named everybody, just so we're okay, naming yes. everyone. Um, well, that was uh, those were the best two hours of my life discussing the hours. Uh, <sighs> I mean, I just uh, I'm so glad I'm so glad we talked about this movie. Me
0: um, too. And I didn't know I would be so excited or thrilled. Or I'm so glad that it's back in my life again. Same in a great way.
1: I feel like yeah, I I'm absolutely I, I bought the book on tape and it's Michael Cunningham reading it, and I think oh, I interesting. I just like wasn't in the space at all this weekend where I like wanted to listen, but I have the book as well, and so one way or the other, I'm going to reread it. Uh, um, that being said, uh, as usual, we always like to end our show with a BSA of the week, despite all the BSAs we've just discussed this week. Uh, BSA of the week for those uninitiated is an actor or a performer or I guess an actor or performer, an actor, a performance, <laughs> a food, a thing, a song, anything in our lives that is acting as the best supporting actress in our lives. Uh, so you hinted at it earlier, but what is your BSA of the week? Oh, it's a play on Patty. Um, Patty Lapone, uh,
0: as most, I mean, most of the gays and gals know at this point, who are really our core audience here, yeah. um, has been posting videos <laughs> of her just basically you know, (laughs) drinking a ton of Pinot Grigio and just dancing around her basement. Uh, Yeah. But it's, it's lovely. I've kind of fallen off from it. I've seen like two of them. And then um, I was like, all right, I get what's going on here. Unless there's something really crazy that happens. Maybe I'll tune in. But another one that is just so subtle and lovely and just makes me love her so much more is Glenn Close on Instagram.
1: Have you seen these videos, Colin? No, I, oh I I love just the statement Glenn Close on Instagram. Yeah.
0: (laughs) I mean, there it's so Yesterday, it's such lady watch material. It mm. is so I, it makes me so sad that I mean, let's get Lady Watch back on the air. We need to create a hashtag. Yeah. We need we need a um, now more than ever. campaign. yeah yes, we need to watch the ladies. And um, yesterday, Glenn Close just sang this crazy song on, on a porch to her dog. And it was so bizarre and wonderful. And then she turns to the dog and the dog is just like, I don't care. It's (laughs) so beautifully, beautifully done. And um, it's, it's, uh, she's always so calm. She always has something lovely to say. She shows these like little characters that her and her family like built out of like clay. They're like these little monsters that are weird and uh, just adorable. And I, I just love Glenn and it's so nice to see her um, just Making the best of the situation and uh, figuring it out, figuring it out Instagram. Because there is a video I can't remember. The first time she took a video, she like had this two minute long introduction. Then she finally gets to the subject she wants to talk about. She's like, I wrote this letter about something. And then she starts reading it and it cuts off. It's so, it is magic. I think I've seen that. <laughs> yeah, I can't remember what it was. And she says like, it was something... Oh, I remember what it was. It was when Notre Dame burned. And, I'm not going to am laughing about that, but I remember Oh. She's like, I I wrote this letter when I first saw Notre Dame. And then she pulls up the letter and she's like,
1: Notre Dame. And then it cuts. It is It's so good. It was it's the it's like the fact that it was this like super serious thing, and here's Glenn close oh, getting ready to be serious, and then it just cuts her off. And then the best
0: part is she comes
1: back later with the
0: video. She's like, Well, it seems that I don't know how to work anymore. (laughs) (laughs) it's so adorable i love her Um, and if anyone needs just like a nice calming sort of escape that is still on social media i know social media is kind of like a minefield these days check out glenn close on instagram yeah it's it's worth your time
1: yeah well just for reminding me of the 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 letter fail i'm i am oh absolutely so uh, <laughs> that's great thank you for that um yeah. and uh glenn glenn close i hope you're still keeping some distance in these trying sure. times we yes. need you to win that oscar <laughs> i know we need you um my bsa of the week is the movie the hours <laughs> <laughs> honestly, <laughs> honestly yes yeah. it was hard for me to like yeah. stray away from that but like i fully agree the moment that i i put it on and you know Got high, which I think was the right thing to do because I knew this movie enough to be able to follow along. But, like, the weed would help me see it in new ways. And it just – sometimes the weed just hits the right way. And it was, like, just the perfect storm of just the music and the movie and and the reminding – like, remembering how significant this movie had been to me, like, in high school and, like, having those feelings again. And, like, oh, my – I was so – I think there were times where I was watching and I was like, "Oh, am I crying? Oh, I think I've been crying. Oh, yeah." And the like silent Virginia <laughs> Wolf tears, yes. <laughs> like how long? Like how long have I been hamburger? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's why I look like hamburger yeah, the whole movie. Totally, and I was like, I felt <laughs> like hamburger by the end, and I just, <laughs> I was, and it wasn't that I had just like been sobbing the whole time. I just had had so many emotions stirred up, and oh yeah, and like putting it on again this morning, I was like. I was like, I could just, I could watch this movie all the time.
0: Yes. I could. It's like electricity. It's Mm -hmm. like I stood up after, like there's so many moments where I just wanted, I wanted to share it with someone. And I knew like, I was watching, I think I watched it before you. And when you texted me, you were 17 minutes in and you were like. Oh. Oh god. Like, I was like I knew exactly what you were going through. Yes, it was,
1: so it was just that feeling. I just <laughs> this. This. Like yeah. and uh oh, it it gave me so many good feelings and there's so few movies that do this for me and um yeah. I'm just yeah, I I echo what you said. I'm so happy this movie is back in my life cuz it's back and it's staying and i'm spending time with it and i'm going to go watch oh, all those yes. all those clips on youtube all those good oh, morning please. america interviews from 18 yeah. years ago
0: <laughs> and you know what uh, i will send this send the bad call out there to all our bsa listeners i uh, i assume there has to be there has to be excuse me um podcast episodes about this on other movie um uh, mm-hmm. podcasts and i cannot find any of them because really? when you type in the hours at least into itunes or like the podcast app there's so many other podcasts that come up with like you know pop culture happy hour and Mm -hmm. other things that it's i'm having trouble finding it and i typed in the hours movie the hours film the hours meryl streep and i'm not finding things so if anyone knows of a movie podcast that has covered this and a you know and has the respect, <laughs> gives it the respect that yeah. it deserves. Like, please send it my way. What about uh, that podcast,
1: way? the Merrill Streep podcast, where one of the, the co hosts is named Merrill? I feel I like there's, if they've done that. There are some Merrill specific podcasts Meryl uh, Streep at the movies. I think that's what it's yeah. called. Yes. So maybe that might be a place to start. Um, yeah. But yeah, I hear you. I did not realize, uh, but I would love to hear other people talking about it. Uh, and I, I bought the movie on. You know youtube but i might buy the dvd so i can get the commentary you need the special
0: features yes yeah um yeah yeah,
1: this i am i am keen to spend hours and hours on the hours (sighs) and i think that our hours are almost up because we Uh. are being played off this episode i
0: can't believe it i can i almost can.
1: can actually in a way uh, <laughs> so, folks, you know, we've had a lot to say about the hours, but we'd love to hear what you have to say about the hours and plenty of other things. And uh, if you want to get in touch with us, you can always drop us an email at thebsapod at gmail.com or you can follow us on Twitter at BSAPod. Yeah. Where you, can, you can also follow me on... Oh, sorry. I was going to say, where can we find ask. more of you? Yeah. Yes. <laughs>
0: Um, You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Nick Kochanov. I did find there is an episode called The Hours. It's episode six uh, with Meryl Streep and the movies. And there there are two. Oh, it's just the two hosts, I think. I don't know if they had a guest, but I'm excited to listen to that. Yeah. Um, And anyway, (laughs) sorry. Um, Where can we find more of you, Colin? Uh,
1: Well, uh, you can find more of me at uh, Colin Drucker on Twitter or Colin Drucker underscore on Instagram. And uh, you can, of course, find more of me on In the Details, a celebration of nuance, where eventually I'm sure I'll break down the Meryl and Jeff Daniels scene. Uh, And you can find me on All Right, Mary, talking about drag race and drag competition reality shows and all that fun stuff. And I think that's everywhere you're going to find me. Otherwise, you'll find me in my apartment for the next month or so. I know, right? Yeah. We have Um, to face the hours. Oh, and the hours after that Mm -hmm. and the hours after that. But luckily, I'll watch the hours to get through the hours. (laughs) So, How
0: many times have we said hours? I don't know. Just for okay. hours,
1: we've been saying it. Uh, but anyway, uh, a special thank you to a stacked cast of ladies and uh, gentlemen. It's beautiful, Michael Cunningham.
0: Thank you for making this this piece of art that is just so beautiful. And I, I can't wait to reread this book again and again and again, and watch this movie again and again. There's there is so much to uncover each time you watch it. That's I think one of my favorite things. About I agree each of these.
1: I mean, it may be just too much, but I can't get enough. Uh,
0: Yes. (laughs) I think that's the perfect way to end it,
1: really. Yeah, I mean, and that, Uh, as they say... Is that...